Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Williams. If you're not familiar with the podcast, this is Racing on the Rocks and it is 2021. 2020 is behind us and we're here for another year. We have new sponsors, new guests, and a lot of really exciting stuff on the horizon. If you want to help the show, the most beneficial thing that you can do for me, if you're on an iOS device, is rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, the app. Uh, If you don't have an iOS device, go to our YouTube and subscribe there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of fun stuff. I will say right out of the gate, this is an interview that is better enjoyed uh, with some video. Uh, Eric and I, we kind of crack some jokes about a few different things, and it really helps being able to see uh, what's going on. So I highly recommend you go over to the Racing on the Rocks YouTube channel and get subscribed and make sure you don't miss anything because we have a ton of interviews up on our YouTube. Now, today's show is the best and it is sponsored, first and foremost, powered by Super Grip ATV tires. So I went out on New Year's, I got the new Super Grip ATV K9 XT tires. Currently, I did probably at some point misspout some information here. Uh, these tires are only currently available in the standard compound. Uh, they're not available in the intermediate. I know for a fact I told someone wrong, so I'm going to go ahead and clear the record here. The standard tires are available uh, in the XT compound, and that XT compound currently has 22% more rubber in the sidewall. It's a really over-engineered tire now. Uh, They switched factories. The entire process is a lot better. They will be making an XT uh, intermediate sometime in the near future, but as for now, the K9 XT is just a standard compound tire. One thing that I really noticed this weekend was I went from a 30 to a 32, and holy smokes, more tire literally is the game changer. I probably will never go back to my 30s unless, you know, I'm just piddling around somewhere where I don't need the ground clearance. But let me tell you guys, those Super Grip ATV tires hook. They're awesome. Had a great time this weekend on some slippery rock and wet, muddy trails. SuperGripATV.com, SuperGripATV on Facebook and Instagram. Next is a brand new sponsor for the podcast. You probably heard of them. They're pretty big into uh, the off-road community. It is RCV Performance. RCV Performance has been in the business of building high-end quality components for over 75 years. Yes, 75 years. I had no idea they'd been around that long, but what they specialize in is high-performance CV and axle components. The some of the off, excuse me, some of the solutions that are offered are everything from a UTV to Suzuki axles, to Rockwell axles, and everything in between. Something really unique about RCV is everything is actually manufactured in the United States. It's it's manufactured in Rockford, Illinois, making RCV a true American-made product. One thing that I really want to highlight with this particular uh, ad here is uh, the RCV Performance has come out with a Trail Series axle. Uh, I'm actually going to be having the chance to run these. Let me tell you guys a little bit about what the Trail Series is. The Trail Series by RCV front axles are designed and engineered to handle the most abusive conditions on the trail with years of experience in and working with the top drivers in the industry. 
they have been able to develop an ultimate trail axle solution. The trail series features their very own high performance grease designed to withstand the harshest environments. The heavy duty CV boots are resistant puncture, excuse me, they resist puncture and abrasion more than any OEM boot. Now, something special about the uh, trail series is those boots are black compared to the regular RCV orange. The Trail Series axle is manufactured and assembled in the United States, providing quality and durability and ensuring that this will be the last axle you'll ever need. I'm actually running these uh, whenever they get here, they're going to my machine. I'll give you guys an honest review of these. I'm really glad to have RCV on board. They're one of the absolute best in the business. Seriously, they've worked with everybody. Everyone who is, you know, needs dependability runs these axles. So I wanted to spend just a few extra minutes and talk a little bit about RCV uh, because I really, I'm really glad to have those guys on board. And uh, I think it's it's really big for the show because uh, we got some we got some cool stuff cooking in the kitchen this year. And I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, RCV will be on board for some of those things. Next on the list is All Things UTV. All Things UTV is back again for the 2021 season. Something really special that I actually talked to uh, the owner of All Things UTV about was that uh, there's not another company where I run more of their products. So I run, I think, you know, five, six different products that come from All Things UTV specifically. These are all items that are manufactured uh, or designed in-house rather and sold directly from there. And that includes their tender spring upgrade kits and their Razor Aid inner fender liners. They're awesome. I will never have a Razor or another UTV without those fender liners. They save the passenger from having foreign objects come through the floorboard, all kinds of damage, stuff like that. I've seen it. Don't be, you know, don't fall susceptible to it. It's just not a good move. Uh, but the tender spring upgrades, I actually run uh, kind of like a halfsy kit. I run their front tender springs and I run their rear Cloud 9 kit with crossover rings. Really, really glad to have that and it's made a huge difference in the ride of my Razor. AllThingsUTV.com and AllThingsUTV Facebook and Instagram. Now, the other reason that my shocks ride so great is because I have had them revalved from Chris over at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Diddy's Big Block Race Shop, let me, let me tell you something. If you've ever been to an adventure off-road park or been in a really rock-crawling heavy situation for a long period of time, and you're stock razor with stock valving, stock springs, you get kind of beat up, your back hurts, and your kidneys hurt by the end of the day. I rode the roughest park in Tennessee, arguably, just in terms of beating the crap out of you all day long. I rode it for about five and a half hours uh, on last Saturday. I didn't have back pain, my kidneys didn't hurt, and all of that is in favor of the All Things UTV Springs, but also Diddy's Big Block has me valved for the perfect trail setup. It really is so smooth. Uh, Chris is so easy to deal with. You know, There was back and forth just to make sure that everything that he did was exactly how I wanted it. So I'm very, very glad to have Diddy's Big Block uh, coming back in for 2021, and I'm super stoked to have those guys just on board because they offer an excellent product for your UTV and full-size rig. That's Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, last but not least, Infinite Off-Road. 
the longest sponsor of the podcast, stays with us for another year. And uh, I'm going to highlight some really interesting products that they have. They have light bars, light pods, whips, wheel wheel rings, and then rock lights. They're super famous for their rock lights. I'm not going to beat a dead horse there. Uh, I am going to try their magnetic setup this year. Uh, I've never actually run rock lights on my vehicle because I didn't ever really feel like dealing with trying to mount them and all this kind of stuff. But the cool thing is with those magnetics, you put them on the frame. If you don't like where they're at, you can move them over an inch and they don't fall off while you're trail riding. But they're they're a light enough magnet where you can make an adjustment and have no issues make, you know, putting it in a different spot. Really excited to try those out because they are the only rock lights on the market with a pure dedicated white emitter. Uh, happy to have those guys back on board. I'm really excited to try out their chase light because it has a built-in like cargo light too. Like if you have a pickup truck, you turn the keys off, the cargo light lights up your bed. Infinite Off-Road has a light like that for your Razor or UTV, whatever it may be, full-size truck. It's got a cargo light and it works as a brake light, brake light too. So really cool stuff coming out of there. InfiniteOffRoad.com. 10% off your entire order of their website. Code word rocks. R-O-C-K-S at checkout. We'll get you 10% off the entire website. Okay, that was a long one. We're getting this all figured out. See, what happens is with new sponsors, we got to kind of get the rhythm of these ads going and uh, paying the bills, y'all. It's so important to have those guys on here. I hope that you guys are supporting those who support the show because they help keep the podcast rolling. I mean, just straight up. I couldn't be doing this with a with a baby on the way and uh, you know everything else I have going on in my life, a full-time job, a million and a half different other things, a seven-year-old. I couldn't do it without those guys. So it means a lot to me when you guys go purchase their products uh, and you guys let them know you heard about me or you heard about them through the show. Uh, it does a lot of help because they help the show keep the ball rolling for sure. Um, today on the show, you guys, we have Eric Hagen. It it took kind of a turn. I got uh, very sentimental and very, uh, you know, told a little bit of my story because Eric opened up and he told a little bit of his story. It was a really special podcast. I had a great time. Uh, Eric and I, I feel like we're going to get a chance to hang out this year for sure. And uh, I really think that you guys will start to relate and kind of peel back some of the layers of these guys because Eric is a really special guy and uh, I'm I'm excited to have built a friendship with him. So can't wait for you guys to hear this. Nevertheless, the all-powerful Eric Hagen. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. What's up, dude? Hey, man. What's How up? you doing? Long time to see. Yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, yeah. For those who uh, for those who are just joining us, we were sitting in the studio for a while. Uh, I have Eric Hagen on the line. We were sitting in the studio for a few minutes, and I, I just tried for the first time putting in some intro music into this, and uh, it was all right. <laughs> but uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, why, uh, when I sit here and look at our side-by-sides, why are you in a filter and, and you've got me like on like old man filter? <laughs> it's, it's all lighting. Listen, the secret to pictures is lighting. I have, uh, I have this oh. very nice shade drawn. I have a nice lamp over here. Yeah. You know, I got the Mona Lisa going over here. <laughs> I, I had turned all my lights on because I, I, I kind of get that. I'm not a photographer. 
Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people think I'm Ricky B, but I'm not. I'm, I'm oh. actually, <laughs> I am not a photographer at all. Yeah. And uh, but I do know that light to your face is what you want. And so when yeah. I see people taking pictures on the beach with the sun behind them setting and I'm going, no, y'all, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Have so you ever used? Have you ever used one of those light, those things that go on your phone that are like no, the light ring? No, but I it, this whole 2020 pandemic crap, everybody, when people show their home studios, mm -hmm. those little rings, everyone's yeah. got them. Why am I the only like apparently I'm the only person that ain't got one. So, so hey, if it makes you feel any better, I have a I have a full size like let's see if I can get it in the shot here, a full blown lamp. OK, so, yeah. so don't feel bad. Uh, but I went to my in-laws for. I think the Mike Tyson fight a couple of weeks ago and some, one of the girls there had one and it's a phone case and it was built into the phone oh. where the light ring went around the camera on her iPhone. What? And I'll tell you, look, I am not someone who like takes selfies really is concerned with how, yeah. you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, look at this. I got a nice RCV shirt on and I got some, some old gray sweatpants on yeah. after that. So oh. I'm I, minimal effort on in terms of looks. I got bicycle shirt. That's and it. I don't have any pants. I don't have any pants on. So I can't, I can't hey. stand up. <laughs> uh, the waist up, baby. <laughs> right, right. Ain't nobody say anything. You know, we're Zoom calling. Uh, That's it. This is all I need. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, I did use the light thingy. I took a picture with it, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing what it does for you. I will say, there's something to it for sure. Uh, you start looking nicer. Your skin looks smooth. Your eyes look yeah. like cartoon characters. It's great. Well, that's why I'm saying like it, it has got rid of like, I don't know if you have any blemishes, but like all your, you know, your cheeks, your five head, all that stuff is just smooth. I just. OK, so let me ask you a question. So where would you consider like if I'm washing my face for those who can't see, I'm bald. OK, just completely bald. Oh, got a little bit on the oh, side. You're bald. Oh, yeah. It's oh. there. I didn't notice. I didn't know. Yeah, no idea, right? So when you're when you're when you think of me, you know, you think of, I'm washing my face, you know, getting the dirt off of it. How far up do you think that someone who's bald washes their face? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I got something. Go ahead. How? So I mean, to be honest, it's about right up here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's a one size fits all, really. I'm one of those guys. I'll use the shampoo, body wash, conditioner, everything in one. So it just goes, it just goes right on back. <laughs> yeah. I just wash my eye. I like my beard. Yeah. I use shampoo. Yeah. For the beard. Yeah, and so when I lather with soap, I just go mm -hmm. across my eyes and my ears, and then like right. I don't do my cheeks anymore because I I've got I've already done the the soap. But, it's easy. It's all yeah. in one soap, man. I like it. That's true. Do you use beard oil? No, no. Have you ever? No, no. I use motor oil. Uh, <laughs> uh, 20W50. I use the yeah. real thick stuff. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, I guess I can't say ain't your mama, but yeah, like syrup. Yeah. 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 There you go. You can't say that anymore. Isn't that no, crazy? I can't say it. So I won't say ain't your mama. That's it. Perfect. No yeah. aunt Jemima on the show. Yeah. But uh, in college, I was convinced some guy, you know, had me and all my friends convinced that if you put beard oil in yeah. your beard, that it'll it'll make it look thicker. It didn't. All it did was make it look like you hadn't washed your beard and it oh, made no. you just smell like a tree. Yeah, that's how I was going to say is you're pretty much just now you look greasier. That's it. In, in, in fact, just my beard looks greasy. Right. It was it's not a, it's not the look you want yeah. for sure. Uh, but hey, man, 
How you doing? This has been the craziest. I mean, last year was the craziest year yeah. for five days or today's. So today's the sixth. Yeah. We are six days in and 2021 is not looking promising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's uh, and I the difference between 2020 and 21 is uh, 2020 can now drink because it's 21. That's it. And, uh, but the other thing is, is we're going into this year knowing that life sucks. Uh, yeah. We didn't go into 2020. You know, we were like New Year's resolutions, but now yeah. we know that this is going to suck. So yeah, <laughs> expectations um, are low. <laughs> right. I mean, if you know that you're going into like a pile of crap, yeah, you get ready to hold your nose, and that's what that's what we're pretty much doing is we're we've gone into the year holding our nose. Yeah. So, yeah. What What was 2020 like for you? I mean, you're you're a mobile man. You're able to travel, do all kinds of different things. But were you working? Were you affected by the virus? Big oh, time? yeah. I mean, so everyone was. And so for most people who have no clue what I do, I'm in tech. Uh, I've been doing tech since the late 90s. Um, I decided in college to stop pursuing uh, a criminal justice background. I was going to do um, something to do with law whether it be, you know, uh, anywhere from the executive to the judicial, any, you know, those branches, even legislative. I was, I, I was big, I was a big history buff, still am. But midstream, I was like, oh, look at those people over there working on those computers. I think I can do that. That's the future. Mm -hmm. And I decided that that's, I, I went from literally not knowing how to turn one on to enrolled in C++ programming class. Yeah. All in the same week. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, that was in the late 90s. So that's that's what I've been doing. Um, I've actually had jobs in the past where I was remote as a field tech. And um, my latest job prior to the one I'm at now was a I was a senior field tech for all of Alabama. So that's why I bought this RV because mm -hmm. I was going to the off road parks. I would be from Monday through Friday. I'd be in a hotel room. Um doing installations or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. repairs, you know, patching installations or doing installations. And then I would leave on Friday afternoon, check out and go to Hawk Pride or Morris Mountain or Chakalaka Mountain. And I would get to the park late Friday night, set my tent up or either sleep in the back of my truck and wake up in the morning and people in their RVs next to me and they're fixing coffee. And I'm like, yeah. This is BS. I need an army and I can go to the off-road parks and I can wake up in my queen size bed and I can fix coffee in the kitchen and I can turn on the TV and watch the news, which I hate watching the news now, but I do it every day. Yeah. But so I got an RV and I was like, well, I'm poor, so I can't have an RV beside a house. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to live in the, I don't live in my RV. Yeah. So Monday through Friday, I lived in my RV working and then Saturday and Sunday, I went to the off-road parks and I broke down there. So wherever I was, I was broke down. So uh, <laughs> I took this, I took this current job and they were like, you're coming in the office. And so I was like, well, crap, I'm not going to give this lifestyle up. And I didn't. Um, I pretty much am sure that it's going to be a lifestyle that I'll have for the rest of my life, man. It's great. I mean, I'm single, don't have any kids that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any wives that I know of. Um, so it's a good, yeah. that's a good one. I like that one. I hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah. All you gotta do is hang out with me long enough. There's things that I say that no one's ever said that I'm 
it actually surprises me that even I said it. So uh, I like that. Well, I, I like uniqueness and I like creativity and, and, and I like original things. So I, I, I here's what here's what it is. I was drawn to you because a couple of different reasons. One, um, you are unique. You're hilarious. I see you on social media all the time cracking me up. Uh, two, I want to know more about you because, you know, you do have a, a little bit of mystery to you a little bit because you oh. are the, you are the traveling man. And three, I want to know, like, who who is who are you? Who who is this guy that just travels and is all over the place and, and you kind of unpeel the layers because uh, you're you're a pleasant guy to talk to. You're a pleasant guy to be around. And uh, it just I was just so curious. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, I don't even know. I think I don't even know. how. Yeah, it looks good. It looks good. It looks um, good. You'll have to keep asking me those questions and get me back on track because I'll start going down a rabbit hole and oh, that's I fine. don't even like rabbit because uh, I, I do have friends that, that love some rabbit, but mm -hmm. I, I just soon have a uh, fish legs um, or, you know, sushi. I like fish, fish legs. Fish legs is an Arkansas joke over that we were at. Um, <laughs> we went to a, a Chinese buffet over there in, um, in um, hot springs and uh -huh. they literally had a sign that said fish legs. That's not good. So it's great. Um, did you, did you eat fish legs? Uh, you know, it actually ended up being chicken wings, but oh. it was cool because it was like it was um, it was tempura fried chicken wings. You know, oh, like, yeah. like really hot, low, uh, like a thin grease. Mm -hmm. If you've ever had tempura, um, it's super awesome. Yeah. And so it was probably the second best chicken wings I've ever had. Uh, mm -hmm. Barring go to Sierra Nevada in North Carolina, the, the brewing company has the best chicken wings in the world, um, probably in the solar system. Uh, oh. <laughs> Uranus, uh, it, Earth and Uranus is the two places that I've only ever eaten chicken wings. I, hey, I get it. Yeah. Let me let me roll you back in here because I got right. three questions already. Number one, you said you were a history guy uh, and you kind of wanted to go down that route. If, yeah. if, you, if you had to pick one decade uh, from 1900 to now, one decade that you'd like to have lived in, you know, let's say for you get to spend a year there, uh, whether it's, the, you know, the roaring 20s, the 50s, the 70s, 80s. And you can go as your age now or you can go, you know, at 25 or whatever age you want. Uh, where would you go and what time period would you be in? Man, I mean, the 60s were cool because pretty cool. Uh, you could walk around bucket naked. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everybody looked like they had buckwheat in the leg lock. So I don't know that I would want that. Um, uh, so I don't, I'm going to have to go X on the, on the sixties. Okay. Uh, uh, the seventies, whoo, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of free love that had kind of carried over into the seventies. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. I'll, I'll probably actually have to get back with you on that. Cause okay. I don't, um, we'll loop back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. My second question was, um, now I'm trying to remember my second question. That was so funny. Yeah, uh, that's so, yeah your background in IT. So yeah. for those who don't know, uh, I, I'm a developer. I write code. And, and Eric had mentioned before we got on the podcast that he you know, went to learn code. C++ is a coding language, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, what was it about the, the, the IT side that drew you over there other than the development side, because it's it's a very, in my opinion, 
like left brain, right brain kind of switch where yeah. writing code is like writing a, you know, a book, you know, you're writing something down, but you're writing it in mathematical terms. Yep. Whereas it is, you know, kind of structure yep. and like kind of steps, you know, it's less, less right. left brain, more right brain. Yeah. I decided literally in 48 hours that I was going to get into it. Um, I was kind of lost like everyone else. And my sister said, well, I'm going to school for programming. And I was like, okay. And she said, why don't you just move down here and go with me? And I was like, okay. And um, my mom was there. We were at my sister's house in Sarasota, Florida. My mom was there and I just kept thinking about it. And then before we get ready to leave on Sunday, I was just like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go back to Auburn and um, tell my boss I'm leaving. Cause I was working in a factory, man. I was, I was literally yeah. putting 50 hours a week in a factory running hundred ton presses, 120 ton presses mm -hmm. getting up. Uh, my press was running at 6 AM. So I, I had just kind of like everyone else, man. I think I was 22 mm -hmm. by then. And I had just kind of lost my way. It was just like, I don't want to do what I'm doing. And so I was like, well, why don't I make a little bit more money in it while I still don't know what I want to do? Yeah. So here I am 25 years later, still not knowing what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, well, what is it? 20, 20 years later. But yeah, I guess it would be 25 years later because that was kind of towards the late 90s. But uh, yeah. Um, so I went to school for programming, um, computer programming. I graduated and moved out to Seattle, Washington, uh, graduated one day, was on a was on a plane the next. So I moved mm -hmm. directly out to Seattle and no one gets a good job in the beginning, unless like you've already, you know, kind of tempt or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I got into support and that's what I really figured out my calling. Cause I knew that I could speak code mm -hmm. and I could program a computer if I wanted to, but I could also communicate everything that I was doing to the idiot who was punching the keyboard. Yeah. So, so yeah. from a support role, you know, people would call in and they'd be like, Hey, I have no idea what I did with that email. And my immediate response is neither do I, I don't know <laughs> what you did with that email, but I'm like, I will help you find it. And so that's, that's yeah. what I did. And yeah. I mean, so it, I, I literally for the next 15 years, I wore any hat that the company wanted. I worked for small companies and if it had a plug, they considered it tech and I was in charge of it. Yikes. Yeah. Wild. Email servers yeah. to web servers to uh, the, the security systems to yeah. the, well, I wasn't in charge of the abacus because it didn't have a plug, but um, mm -hmm. anything that literally had a plug, I, you know, yeah. I, I was in the T-Mobile store once a week because everyone who had a phone, I was responsible for it. Wow. That's, oh, yeah. so that's the side of, you know, I tell people all the time, like, hey, I have a degree in computer science. And they're like, oh, great. You can do two things for me. You can right. fix my Wi-Fi and fix my printer. Right. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I I have, the last time I used a printer was 2011. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't tell you the last time. Oh, I printed something over the Christmas break. <laughs> in the kids' presents to where they had to read it. Well, I had forgotten that the six-year-old can't really read all that well. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I don't have a printer, man. I had to go down to like FedEx copy and yeah. print it out off of an email. 
Listen, listen, I grew up in a I grew up in a family where my dad was very like, you know, he's a salesman for dental equipment, but he uh, he was very like cutting edge technology. We were the first we had an intercom system in our house so that he didn't have to yell up in like up in my room and yeah. it had a button where you could page somebody and yeah. it would just like beep them over and over and over again. That's how he would wake us up. Yeah. Uh, and and my dad had a printer and like a fax line for the house. The whole nine yards had a full home office. And I told my dad the other day, he's like, hey, do you have a printer or do you want a printer? Because, you know, it just needs new ink and blah, 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 blah. It's cheaper than going to buy a new printer, whatever. And I was like, I can't tell you the last time I've actually needed a printer because no. at this point, I mean, everything can go to a PDF and everybody accepts a PDF via email. And yeah. that's just like, that's how it is. So I, I agree with you because, you know, I say that's the last time I needed one. Uh, I had to ship something back to Amazon and they're like, your driver will be there tomorrow at 11 a.m. to pick it up and print this, print this return label and put it on the package. And I was like scrambling yep. and somehow, and I don't know, it's amazing. UPS printed the, printed the label for me, showed up at my house. Yeah. I handed them a box and they smacked it on there. And I was like, thank God, man. Cause I was about to run down the, you know, Kinko's. <laughs> How has, speaking of printers, how yeah. has no one in our off-road world started using 3D printers yet? Like, why has no one caught on that they can actually produce? Because, so I lived in Auburn for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, the last 10 years, I was friends with everyone down there at APR, mm -hmm. Audi Performance Racing, which if you're into anything German car, you know APR because they started down in Auburn. Well, mm -hmm. they had the first... 3d printer that i'm aware of um that and it was like the size of a room it was huge yeah and yeah it took them a full day to build like this one little you know little exhaust port but they were building exhaust i mean they were building things with it they were prototyping uh parts for mm -hmm. their everything um why i wonder why are we not doing that yet in the off-road world with 3d printers man I, I think the people that are really like innovative yeah. um, are, are have so much load on them. You know, I think guys like Ross Pilgreen who, who did all the hydraulic stuff or UTVs. I think yeah. about, uh, I talked to Jake Berkey about that. So uh, Axial is a sponsor of the podcast yeah. and I bought, I'll, I'll grab it here in just a second. I bought their uh, SCX 10 or their SCX 24 and it's a palm size version of their SCX 10 car. Yeah. And, uh, I, I told Jake, I was like, man, what you need to do is you need to buy five of these little 124 scale cars and you need to 3D print because you have everything in CAD. Every one of your chassis, you have them in CAD. 3D print them, slap them on this little body and set them in your showroom and say, this is what the trail version looks like. This is the race version. And every single manufacturer of parts, chassis, whatever it may be, should have a 3D printed version that a customer can come in put their hands on, look at it and see how the final product is going to turn out. Because I mean, being able to put your hands on something yeah. is incredible, but in terms of, you know, making parts out of it, I just don't, I just don't know. I mean, it, it, you can take a CAD file directly to a 3d printer and we're already doing that. Just, you don't see guys wanting to, I guess, invest the, the time and printing because printing is a hard process to learn. I'm not sure if you've ever done it, but it sucks. Um, what type of printing is, what are you talking 3D, about? 3D printing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not fun. No. Um, and it it it, it it's not it's not nearly like printing out a sheet of paper. I mean, mm -hmm. it takes. Like I was saying, the the folks that had that huge room size 3D printer mm -hmm. uh, back 15 years ago. 
I mean, in order for them to build like just little piece that was this, this what would take them like four hours. Yeah. You would, you know, layer by layer, layer mm -hmm. by layer. And it was slow. I mean, you could go in there and watch it through the little glass. Yeah. But, <laughs> have you seen, what they do. Going have, you, have you seen the 3D printed houses yet? Oh yeah. Dude, that's the craziest stuff to me in the whole world. How they're, they're just pouring. I mean, it's the same, same technology, just bigger and they're pouring concrete with it. Oh yeah. Yeah, we uh, just you know, concrete machine looking things. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's I'll tell you, man, I, I've thought a lot about like the RC guys, for example. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to one of the top RC guys on YouTube. I talked to Harley Designs for a while. I talked to a bunch of the chassis guys. And I was like, why don't you guys, you know, the 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 chassis that you guys have made that you guys are selling for 150 bucks that take you, you know, an hour and a half to build out. Yeah. Why don't why don't you guys 3D print a version? sell them for 50 bucks, you know, someone can buy three of them because, you know, people like qual or quantity over quality every single time. Yeah. And I was like, you guys just do these and, and print them out of carbon fiber if you really want to make something nice. And uh, I think the RC market is probably like a, a prime candidate for that to get the cost down. Yeah. But I just, no one's doing it yet. I, you know, you talk about RC. I thought that I was going to buy my way into uh, the RC racing. Um, and I bought a a very uh, a very famous RC bouncer. I remember. Uh, I remember. Yeah, it, it yeah. was um, it it was not an you know it, it wasn't a very popular full size bouncer, but uh, because of of who built it uh, in the RC world and just the workmanship and the craftsmanship, I ended up it, it landed in my lap, and I promptly took it out here. And I broke it and, you know, just like my, my old rock bouncer, rock crawler, um, you know, I take it to AOP and um, break it within like literally three minutes, yeah. like going up the first hill, I would, I would break and have to limp back to camp and I'd be in camp for three uh, yeah. days. Uh, and that's exactly what I do with my RC. Yeah. I took it out first hill broke, boom. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. So I never actually got to race in the in the RC series. And by the time that I had already invested in like three races, and I had this uh, other chassis, I was just like, I'm done. Take it all. P people yeah. buy peanuts. And um, and I and uh, the brothers Hobacks uh, bought all my crap from me and or most of it. And they parted it out and and did good because all the parts were high. They were nice. Nice yeah. parts. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't I mean I can't do what they do. So, so let me ask you this because uh I'll I'll say this too. Uh this section may be edited out depending on how uh tomorrow goes. Oh but, uh there is big news. I have big news. Uh so Axial Racing has released their rock bouncer. Uh, and again, if you're listening to this part, everything went as planned. If this never makes it to the episode, we will see it. <laughs> it got canned. We got, it got edited out. Yes. You took the blue pill. <laughs> you didn't yeah. take the red pill. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but let me tell you this. They have built something called the Axial Racing Rift, and it's the RBX 10. I think it's going to retail like 550, which oh. is it's fairly comparable to what all the other ready to runs are. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's pretty, I mean, let me tell you, it's really, really stout for what it is. Um, so what you were saying about being able to drive it on and off the trail and breaking it. And yeah. I want to take a minute and talk about it. Cause this is a really cool car just came out on Thursday. Uh, cause this podcast is being released on Friday. So it came out yesterday. Um, it's really durable. 
I have beat the crap out of it. I got an opportunity to get it early. I've had it for almost three and a half months now, and I have beat the snot out of it. Uh, Something that they've done that was really unique was they put open differentials, front, rear, and center. Yeah, right. That's the same, same thing I thought. But what they did was they put 1 million weight fluid in all the differentials. So it's pretty, it's pretty close to locked, but it's not. It's It's got like a built-in buffer system to where, you know, if you land on something, it's not going to shoot you off one direction or it's not going to move unpredictable, unpredictably right. because it, it'll wait for everything to get planted before it goes. Um, it's really great. Uh, they have an orange ready to run, a black ready to run. It's It's got giant cut super swamper tires. It's really, really cool. Uh, there's a video on the racing on the rocks, YouTube page. You guys can go check it out. But, uh, if you're looking to race, Eric, uh, I may be at some of the Southern rock racing series, uh, events. I will have the car with me and you are welcome. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. yep. So here's yeah. the thing. My money. Shut up yeah. So here's the thing is, uh, Southern rock. I'm pretty sure this is out. They're going to be having a stock class for RC as well which is completely unmodified. Uh, my machine is completely unmodified. So uh, you're welcome to come get it off the table and go race it. And you can finally get your chance to race. Unmod. Are yep. you going to show it to us? Oh, oh you can't. You can't? I can. I can. Here it is. Here it is. So uh, you got big tires. These are the biggest tires that Axial's ever made. It's got the longest wheelbase of any Axial car ever made. Uh, it's big. I mean, this car compared to everything else is is absolutely giant. It is uh, it's it's amazing. So uh, very cool. comes in an orange color, comes in a black. Uh, the orange one is orange and purple, and the black one is black and green. Uh, it's a really cool car, fun to drive. Right out of the gate, got plenty of power. You can pretty much beat the absolute tar out of it. Like I said, I've put almost thirty hours on it hard, and it's done really well for me. What, how, I wonder what would they, t- I wonder how much they would take off if I only needed one uh, passenger. Like, see, that's, that's one thing I did. I, I never brought it up because when, when I got the prototype, it was kind of past the R&D phase. And I was like, rock bouncers don't have two drivers, but and, and, or whatever. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I think, uh, I think you probably get half off your entry fee if it's only one driver in there. Speaking of the configuration of a rock bouncer, back when rock bouncing first started, mm-hmm. I swore to everybody. And when I'm saying it first started, like it's back when Nolan Grogan actually termed the, the phrase rock bouncer mm-hmm. on Hardline Crawler's web forum. Uh, I had always said that I was going to have like an Alabama rock bouncer uh, with like corrugated steel sides, um, like a shingled roof uh, and and. I was going to have a front porch swing that we sat in um, instead of having, and it was going to be a bench style seat and it was literally going to be a wooden front porch swing. And instead of a cool, having a cooler in the back, I was going to actually have a deep freeze where you picked it up and it was, that's where you opened up the little small deep freeze in the back of the, it was going to be sweet. That's a great uh, idea. It was a great idea. I'm talking like, you know, what happened to execution? I, I, I'm not very good. I'm good <laughs> at, at I'm good at marketing, but I'm not yeah. good at engineering. Like I can't, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the person out there. I'll be like, Hey, uh, I'll see y'all in the morning and I hope we have a good product. Yeah. 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 I, I understand for sure. But we do a little bit. We I, I want to get back to you because yeah. you are the, the star of this episode. Okay. Uh, 
obviously, you know, you've played this huge role in the off-road community, especially in the Southeast, the Alabama area. Um, just when how I, did you get into I, it? I didn't do anything. I was just around yelling at folks. But that's just it. So here's the thing that kind of is is special about the OG rock crawler guys. You know, yeah. have, like like Ricky B was there taking pictures, and it's so funny. I actually he was a young kid, by the way. He wasn't even an adult back then. Yeah, he barely drive. His dad, Rich, had uh, a TJ on thirty nines. Yeah, and little Ricky. Just in there driving. I mean, and um, so uh, about six or seven years ago, I saved one of Ricky B's external hard drives that had a decades old worth of uh, photos uh, because I'm in tech. And, and he was like, oh, I was like, whatever happened to this ride back in like, I think it was 05. He's like, oh, man, that was on a hard drive that died. I said, bring that hard drive over here, dude. I can I can resurrect that hard drive. So we had, little, in the freezer. <laughs> we had little, we had a little hard drive seance. Uh, yeah. had little my little uh, IKEA candles all the <laughs> way around it, and I resurrected all those pictures. Uh, I mean, and he probably had close to five hundred gigs worth of pictures on that. Wow. And it was huge. It was a five hundred gig, like you know, Western Digital or yeah. a hard drive or whatever it was, but. Yeah, um, that probably cost three hundred dollars too, or four hundred, five hundred bucks, man. He was a kid back then, dude. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, the whole—that's all. All we knew how to do was just to, you know, the riding is wet, and you got to hump those rocks. You know, you're not going to crawl jack in the south. It just—it yeah. ain't going to happen. Um, you're going mud whomping, uh, Bible banging, holla, whatever. All these people that used to get on it and just, you know. Let them headers sing. Let them get red. Redder in my head. Uh, yeah. Those headers would glow. Yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't really have anything big, man. I've always only been in Toyota Land Cruisers. And um, I remember I was at Morris Mountain once and I crawled, um, I think it was V Notch, crawled mm -hmm. up V Notch in my full bodied 91 Toyota Land Cruiser. Damn. And as soon as I got up at the top, one of the dudes in a buggy, He's like, what's his daddy do? And I jumped out of the truck. I was like, uh, my daddy. I was like, because that truck I paid $4,000 for, your buggy is a $30,000 buggy. Your trailer costs more than my Land Cruiser. And you're pulling it on a, on a Dirty Max that yeah. is probably $50,000. So I guess I should ask you what your mom or dad does. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've always just beat the crap out of old Toyotas is what I do. I mean, that's. So let me and, ask you this. Let me let me interject here because I want to make sure that we get this timeline right. When did you connect with this crew, and, uh, and what vehicle were you in? You know, I you say think, uh, I think everybody was just showing up. I don't know that there was where, any. Where were you guys showing up? There wasn't really a connection. Uh, I think that just you know, Chaos Central Alabama Off Road Society is the one club in Birmingham that would host uh, at least four events at Greg Rock. And Gray Rock, so Gray Rock has never been open to the public. The only time you could ever go to Gray Rock was during an event. And people are, if you hear people talk about the old days of Gray Rock, it was like back when you could go back when open events. No, it wasn't. That was, that was chaos hosting events. So mm -hmm. they had like fall for all, spring fling, um, uh, February frenzy, um, and a few others. I can't remember, I'm missing, but they would host it and allow the public to come. 
So they would rent the park out and then the, the entire public could come for the entire weekend. And that's when people were putting beatdowns on, on these rigs and especially Cable Hill. Yeah. Um, but during that same time, I was going to Teleco. Um, I probably, there was one what, year I went to Teleco. Is Teleco. I've heard that run around. Um, Teleco has been around forever. Uh, that's, it's in the Cherokee National Forest. Okay. Did you say, where is it? I was just gonna say, what is it? I've heard it thrown away. I've heard Teleco. I've heard Jellico. I think Jellico's no, up in Tennessee, and okay. Jellico is technically in North Carolina, but it's literally so. You know where the Teleco Plains exit is on um, I four uh, I seventy five. I don't, but other people do. Okay, so <laughs> probably about twenty miles north of Chattanooga. Okay, yeah. Okay, well then, so if you start heading east you're going to hit Teleco Plains. Um, and then then you probably have about a 15 mile and it's on River Road. But since you can only go like 25, 30 miles an hour because it winds so bad because it's following the river, like mm -hmm. right on the river. And it's a tiny little road. So it takes you probably an hour to get to the actual campsites of Teleco. Wow. Um, and it was, it was, it was national land. It was national forest land and it was open to ride. I mean, they had like a little, little pay station that you would put your $5 day use pass in uh, money. And uh, because there was no one, there was no gate. I mean, there was nobody actually manning the gate, so to speak, but they did have us forest service uh, rangers out there that would and could bust you. Um, they would empty coolers, um, ban you if they found, beer, alcohol, no firearms. Um, and obviously, um, you get deep onto the trail and you would see both of those firearms and alcohol, but, uh, um, you, they, they would, they wouldn't be deep on the trail, uh, because they, they were in like just stock Jeeps and XJ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they'd only be on the main trail. Um, it was amazing, dude. It was, it was really, uh, it was great for me to cut my teeth there. Um, I, I guess aggressive as a, as, as an off-roader. Um, shoot. My brother had a CJ seven, uh, back in the early eighties. And so, uh, I grew up getting stuck in the mud. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we did. And I'm the youngest of five and we grew up dirt poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, being the youngest, I was the one that had to walk out. So, I mean, there were times where I walked out probably eight miles because we were so far back in the trail. Um, we'd be down in Conecuh County in Alabama or uh, Butler County and it's all these little Southern counties in, in South Alabama. And um, man, we'd be deep and he'd be like, I'm going to stay at the truck. You go walking out. And so me and my other brother would uh, start walking out. And I, I mean, I specifically remember one time it got to be about 11 o'clock at night and we still weren't out. I mean, we were walking down the dirt road and we stopped at the first house we, we came up on. And luckily the dude actually let us in and, and helped us and called. I think we called my mom, man. What's funny is I, I do believe my mom went all the way back to my brother's Jeep in a 78 Pontiac Grand Prix. <laughs> Just raw dogging it. Just, I mean, just it's like what? how do you get, how do you get a Pontiac Grand Prix beyond what? some of the like, and there were there were people in trucks going, oh, 
well, Miss Hagan, you don't need to take that car. He's like, get out of my way. I'm going. I mean, and that's where my craziness came from was my mom for sure. Yeah. Well, she's trying to get to her babies, man. It's a whole, different, it's a whole different fury for that kind of thing. There was a time where she drove a bus to make ends meet. Uh, so she was a school teacher, but yeah. that didn't pay enough. So she also drove the bus. Uh, there was a route that no one would even go down. It would rain so bad and they would wash the gully so bad that nobody would go down it. She was just like, I, I do this. I mean, so she took a big old bus down this road and uh, I wish there was probably, I wish there was video then because there was one time where the, the kid said that she was actually in the ditch, but that's not, she didn't stop. You know, as long as that, as long as it's moving, she's going. And well, that's in the ditch and pulled that bus out of the ditch and kept going. It was a uh, that's part of it, right? Like the whole yeah. name of the game is momentum. And if that's you got it. and that's I mean, that she was doing rock bouncing long before rock bouncing was even a term. That's right. I mean, she had the kids in the back, didn't have any seatbelts on, no seatbelts, hey. no helmets. <laughs> Listen, no. back of the bus, y'all yeah. got that extra bounce back there. Oh, yeah. Plenty of cushion back there. They're fine. Oh, just killing it. Miss Becky could drive me <laughs> driving. That's awesome. So but, when did it when did it transfer over though into you know th this point where you guys are in buggies? Because everyone was in, you know in these uh, primarily Jeeps, and then they went to you know uh, Brian Cole comes in and adds in the cage and everything yeah. like that. W was well, that the turning point? I think that was where it was the competition is what really caused the buggies to have to take off. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there were just one-off competitions all over the place. There was a lot of like throwing hundred dollar bills around for the fastest to the top, you know? And I think even, um, I, I know a handful of people who won fastest to the top on cable Hill. Um, but you know, Ricky, Ricky had his, his, um, Mountain Mayhem, I think is what he first called it in 2010 at, at RBD. And people just thought that that was cool. And then Timmy jumped up in the air just to yeah. put on the show. And then the next year they had about three or four people that jumped just to put on the show, um, which, you know, just caused a, a riot, so to speak. And um, at the same time, you know, Jake was doing stuff in, in, in the riot buggy uh, up in Tennessee at uh, what was that? Sparta. Uh, Golden Mountain uh, yeah. uh, doing stuff and running into folks, at, not literally running into them, but <laughs> meeting, meeting people. Yeah. And um, it, it was, it was a little one-off comps like, um, like at, at, at um, Golden Mountain having a that bounty hill and just having, you know, stupid. But so everybody started in what, everybody refers to as cab trucks. I mean, that's just where everyone yeah. starts. That's just because that's what you got when you turn 16. And yeah. that's actually probably what you were working on before you were 16. Cause you were either working on your dad, your brothers or, or your cousins, uh, you know, your cousin's mom or whoever mm -hmm. had that next door, you were working on those, on those cab trucks and you were hitting the, the local mud hole. And that's, that's yeah. how it really started. Um, we were hitting hills. I mean, and we were hitting some hills. The majority of them were clearly illegal, but I think that that's how everyone gets started. Cause they like, Oh, they didn't care if we hit that hill. It's like, yeah, they cared. They just weren't there to catch you doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we still have people in, in Alabama still doing that. I mean, as long as you have kids that are 16, you're going to have that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be the ones that evolve into buggies. But, um, 
it's funny to me to show up to a park and see these uh these little rail buggies with a little uh, 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 VW engine yeah. in them. And I've never seen a young guy in one of those. They're all like the 50 and 60 year olds. Yes, you're exactly were, right. They were the people before rock bouncers and they still have them. I mean, if you look at their rotted tires, those tires have been on that rail buggy for 30 years now. Yeah. And, and those guys were at Teleco. I mean, they were sitting there just, you know, raw dogging it up lower two and helicopter pad and two wheel drive buggies, man. It's crazy to see those things. As soon as those front tires leave the ground, they're no longer steering. Yeah. They, they might as well just put their hands behind and they just gas it. <laughs> I mean, they, there's no steering on it. I so, watch videos of those because, you know, to give you some perspective, I get, I came into all of this about 2000 and uh, 2012. Yeah. When I jumped in all this stuff and, uh, I didn't see a real buggy until maybe, you know, four years ago or so. And I was like, these, these idiots. And then you watch them and you're just like, Whoa, this is a whole, hey, I, it, it's, it's fun to watch some of these hills that are designed for rail buggies. Yeah. Cause some of these small, tiny parks that you go to were really designed for those rail buggies. I mean, mm -hmm. they're just like straight up hills and there's nothing to those things. Like if you look at them, they literally have like a bed post for a roll bar. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not even an automotive. Somebody like, just like they renovated their house. They're like, Oh, uh, that, that could be a roll bar. Like, well, that, that'd be a old bed. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, there's nothing to them. I mean, they the, might be made out of fence post. Yeah. And one of the things that got me, cause I actually saw one at adventure off road park this weekend when I went for the new year's thing. Uh, it's so crazy to me because, I didn't realize how much ground clearance they had because yeah. it, it's like, you know, the, the engine and the transmission are sitting up here and they actually cut like circles out in the frame for the axles to come like where the frame should be. Yeah. And it's, it's not like a crazy angle or anything like, like that. Hummers, like where you yeah. the, the CVs go up yes. and so basically. And well, the other thing that should be noted is they, a lot of them make it so they lift their front end up. So mm -hmm. it's only two wheels on the ground. It's you don't have nothing up front. I mean, it's they're popping wheelies all the way up the hill. It, so, it, I was shocked that they didn't use any kind of assisted steering either. Uh, no. That was one of the weirdest parts to me because I was like, you know, steering is the biggest part of rock bouncers, in my opinion, steering and suspension, because it, it, the, the, the control and finesse is where we're starting to see guys improve now. And we have these super complicated steering setups and UTVs and bouncers. Yeah. And then I looked at those and I was like, it is literally the same thing you'd get in like your Sam's club, Patriot cruiser, one wheel peel, go-kart. It's the yeah. same straight shaft to it, to another straight shaft. And yeah. I was like, this is bananas, man. It's totally yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a, that is a breed that, um, and talk about a generation. You asked me what era I'd want to live in, what, you know, what decade. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's if you were willing in the 70s, that's what you were willing. If you're willing in the early 80s, that's what you were willing. Yeah, that's that is what who was showing up to the off road parks long before four wheelers were mm -hmm. um, and razors and everything else. But, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about razors in a minute because I want to get your opinion on the evolution of how that all has come across. Yeah. But, you know, you guys were all in trail machines. When did it jump to, you know, bounce them if you got them and show me your boggers? You know, when did it get to this point where? Right, right you, there. Yeah, buddy. Bounce them if you got them. Um, 
I'm known for my son. At least I used to be. A lot of people be like, he's the guy with the signs. And the young kids are like, what? what? Yeah. I, I don't know what signs I used. To, I mean, I wanted the whole idea of the signs was like, I want, we were sitting on the side of the hill at Morris mountain. And I was like, the next one I come to is going to be a pep rally because this is, this is a party on both sides of the mountain. I mean, yeah. we need to be able to sit on top of these guys yeah. coming up the mountain, which, you know, totally, you know, don't, don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't be standing right beside a just, just hissing at you and, and, you know, sit, uh, uh, spitting race fuel on your face and you just lapping it up. Talking about, I love it. Don't do that. Um, but that sign right there, I made about four or five signs. That was one of the originals um, and um, just came up with stupid sayings. So as they were coming up the hill, I was holding the sign up to the drivers. And it's like, I want, you know, I don't want you to die, but I want you to come real close to it. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Uber fan. Yeah. Um, I, I want, I want to see some carnage. I want to see things break. Cause I ain't got, I mean, I'll help you load it up, but I ain't got to take it home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot because I want to have this discussion with you too uh, yeah. about Bonnie Hill versus, you know, drag racing style. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I equate the Bounty Hill stuff a lot to uh, like an MMA fight. Like if you go and Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor fight in January 23rd on UFC and it's going to be bananas and, and, you know, deep down inside, regardless of what you say, you want to see two guys go out there and smash each other into the ground. Yep. And there'd be, there'd be one, you know, Braveheart style warrior that's like got hanging on by a thread, but he made it through, you know, yep. that's really what we want. And it's the same kind of like gut thing deep down inside you that wants to go and watch a hill and watch, you know, both drive shaft fall out of it and the in two oh. axles break out of the car. Like, you know, yeah. do we, do, do you wish that on somebody? Definitely we not. That We want to see that, yes. but we also don't want to wait on that either. Yeah, that's true. The harder you break, the longer the intermission is. Yes. And, and, you know, the hills don't have, which I have actually seen it. Um, we, I have been to a race where there were people serving food and drinks on the side of the hill, which to me is brilliant. Yeah. Like it's, it, it saddens me to go to an event, especially like a race event and see these food trucks that go, Oh, there's going to be 10,000 people at this event. We're going to strike it rich. Well, they set up, and then all day long, they're just sitting there just twiddling their thumbs because everybody's at the race hill. They're up there at camp or they're yeah. up there at the entrance. It's like you're not going to have. And then they break. And then so and then you stand in line for an hour to try to get food. Yeah. But you can't do it. It ain't going to happen. But um, I've never understood why they why they don't have somebody on the they hill. Food. They, they allow they allow that food vendor to just decide what they're going to do. They're like, hey, you want to come? And the food vendor goes, yeah. Well, the food vendor don't know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've actually been to a, a private Toyota event and the food vendor thought he was like, oh, there's 300 people registered. So he made 300 biscuits that first day because mm -hmm. he thought he was feeding everybody. And he was happy when we were talking to him the first time. He was like, oh, he was thinking, OK, I'm going to make three dollars for every th 300 biscuits. Well, mm -hmm. no one ate because we were there to camp. Yeah. And so we were making our own food. And so he left the biscuits. This was at Hulk Pride. He left the biscuits on the table and left and then never came back. So because wow. um, he was, I guess he was, it wasn't that he was misinformed. I think he just misunderstood. Yeah. And there's a lot of vendors like that. And I, yeah. I, 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 tr I truly think that uh, if, if you're going to sell food, 
pack it in a cart and get it to the people like, you know, like when you're at a baseball game, peanuts here, you know, you know so send it, just throw it at folks. Yeah, I had, I, it's so funny. I actually, this is, I don't know if this is messed up or not. There was a race at Adventure Off-Road Park and uh, I was down there. People were, you know, sweating their balls off on the, it was like the middle of the summer. I went down, got myself some food and I bought, I think like 50 bucks worth of soda. And I just took them up and I said, hey, I'm selling soda. I paid a dollar for them, the $2 up here. Dude, I sold out and and I was just doing it just because I was like, hey, you, yeah. know, what? you know, whatever. Like I'll make a couple bucks. But obviously people are super thirsty and not everybody can make it down there and make it back up here because people are yeah. old or whatever maybe You know, whatever. Do the thing. I sold out super quick and I, I thought to myself, man, someone should take advantage of this. And then I had a little thing on my Facebook the other day. And one guy posted a picture of his razor with his, he's a delivery man. And it, he had his Papa John sign thingy on top of his razor. And I was like, dude, if you showed up at an off-road, any, any off-road event and you had a, you had 20 pizzas in the, in the little bag and you just drove down the trail, people will stop you. People will pay $14 for that medium pizza. And it'll oh, be dude, don't even sell the whole pizza. Sell it by the slice. Boom. Sell the slice. I mean, five dollars a slice. People will people will be pissed at you. Yeah, but they won't be hungry because they'll, yeah. they'll be eating it. Well, and and I'll tell you what, man, just go and and open the bag. You know, you got yeah, twenty bucks. Okay. Just open the bag and sit there. Uh huh. That's, That's all you got to do. And especially in some of these like wet, cold races. Yeah, uh, I think about that all the time. I'm like, man, somebody needs like I'm gonna start bringing ponchos and stuff to some of the yeah. races and just say, hey, if you guys need a poncho, come get them. But but you know, somebody needs to be out there selling ponchos selling snacks, whatever it may be. So I hope one of you listeners is, you know, thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but absolutely. let me ask you, because, you know, we are, we're in a different setting than it used to be. Everything is different. I shouldn't you not. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Right. No, no, no. I like it. It's more that's, than I got, man. That is, I'm bionic. I'm the million dollar man. Um, yeah, that, that's my medical. That's yeah. my medical. Tell, tell me about that because I want to know your story too. And I want to know a little bit about, you know, you're, you're a cheerful guy. You don't take days for, uh, for granted at all. Oh. Tell me a little bit about your, about your process. Well, you see how I'm sitting right now, man, my back is killing me. I have a herniated disc at L4 nice. L5 and, um, I have sciatica in both legs, which is really mm -hmm. weird because you typically only have it on your left leg, mm -hmm. but I have it literally in both legs and I'm, um, I'm just avoiding, that surgery because I've had so many surgeries. And so my lower back has been lumbar puncture probably three dozen times. So my mm -hmm. lower back looks like a pin cushion because I've had to have um, lumbar drains. Um, yeah. so I've leaked cerebral spinal fluid. Um, I started back in the early nineties when I had a tumor on my pituitary gland removed. Um, right. Uh, so, yeah, they went into the side of my head. They opened up my skull. And so I had a tumor that was the size of a lemon on my pituitary gland. And oh it, was, gosh, dude. it was so large that it had wrapped around my optic nerves. And that's kind of how we started suspecting it because I was I, I was losing my vision on like my I was getting tunnel vision mm -hmm. because the tumor was wrapped around the optic nerve. So it's pressing on the optic nerves, causing tunnel vision. So, um. I was having massive headaches, massive, massive headaches. So the tumor was so large that it basically had taken up any space that it could possibly take up. And once it, there was no more space, it just, it just started 
pushing on everything, my brain, my hypothalamus, uh, my sinuses, everything. So um, a, a, a CAT scan or a, an MRI showed what it was. So they went in and got it. Um, fast forward 15 years, man, I got bacterial meningitis. Um, and uh, I had that for three days before actually anyone really kind of was like, you've got meningitis. So uh, that supposedly started leaking cerebral spinal fluid. And um, from there, the bone behind my sinuses just disintegrated and they couldn't stop it. So I spent about six months in and out of the hospital in 2008 where they literally could not stop my cerebral spinal fluid, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's the fluid that your brain floats in. Your brain floats in cerebral spinal fluid. And if anybody doesn't know how bad I felt during that time period, if you've ever had a hangover, a hangover happens because you're so dehydrated, you dehydrate yourself of cerebral spinal fluid. That's the reason why your head hurts because you're so dehydrated, you have no fluid in your head either. Um, and that's why it takes a day to replenish it uh, because it takes that long for your body to actually produce cerebral spinal fluid. Well, I was leaking mine out of my nose. I mean, it was coming out and uh, there was a time where they just did not feel like it was going to stop. They didn't feel like they could patch it. I mean, it was kind of like all the King's horses and all the King's men was like, we can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. We just simply mm -hmm. can't do it. So they kept going through my nose, moving my entire sinuses over, working on it, moving my sinuses back uh, only to release me or, you know, or, you know, to, to let me come back into my room and it start leaking again. Mm. So, so they put the shunt in yeah. right here. And so what that shunt does is I have a tube that goes down into my brain. It goes to that. And then I have a tube that goes down my neck and into my abdomen. And this is all like under my skin. You can't see it other than that lump. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's just a valve. It's like a blow off valve. Like a, you know, once, once my cerebral spinal fluid hits a certain pressure, like 20 PSI, it blows off into my abdomen. Um, so our body naturally does that now, you know, I mean, your body is, making X amount of cerebral spinal fluid at the same time absorbing X amount. And so that's, it, it's a perfect kind of harmony. Yeah. Mine either makes too much or is not absorbing. it. So I have a excess buildup and it caused pressure, blew the bone out of my sinuses. And now that valve basically regulates me. Wow. So um, I've had, since then, I've had massive infections on my cerebral spinal fluid that's almost killed me a few times. Uh, this is a man-made device in me, so it's going to fail. Your body is constantly trying to reject it. Mm -hmm. So um, I've had it fail a couple of times. And usually the way you know that it's about to fail is that your head starts hurting and you just have a massive headache that you can't get rid of. Or So, um, so yeah, man, I've had, you know, two decades worth of all that. And then, uh, what, 2018, I came down with a, a throat cancer. So um, it was HPV throat cancer. Um, you know, a lot of people were like, uh, don't vaccinate your kids. And I'm not going to tell you whether or not you should or you shouldn't. But I didn't have kids, so I didn't know anything about HPV. Yeah. I did have my tonsils. 
So the one thing that I will tell men is if you have your tonsils, pay very close attention to your throat. If you have a sore throat, but you don't actually have a sore throat, you need to seek medical attention as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I am absolutely a walking miracle <laughs> with everything that I've gone through, um, beating cancer, beating cerebral spinal fluid, having a, a rare form of mold in my cerebral spinal fluid where even the, the most elite doctors look at me and are like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, what do you mean what I want to do? Like, well, we've never had anybody ever survive this. So yeah. do you want to keep taking these antibiotics? I was like, I'll take them for another week. And they're like, okay, that's good. So um, there's papers written up at UAB hospital um, about me. Um, my, my neuroendocrinologist said that he has actually saved a dozen people on the procedures that he learned by operating on me, he has now saved other people. Dude, that that's, that's amazing, man. Yeah, man. So you just kind of have a, you know, being the youngest of five and growing up with power being cut off, not knowing, I mean, we never had a telephone. Uh, you just learn to be thankful. I mean, there were people in our lives growing up that, you know, saw to it that we always, always had what we needed. You know, in life, you don't necessarily know if you're going to have what you want, but you're more than likely always going to have what you need. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the one thing that we just should all be thankful for is yeah. you can find miracles. Modern miracles are around us. And all you got to do is just open your mind up and just look around. You'll yeah. see. Them. Yeah. You'll absolutely see them. Yeah, that's so that's the whole mindset of being present, too. I know that's like a big plague of, you know, the current day or my generation, because I am I just I turned 26 uh, on Sunday. So I'm, I'm hey, thank you, man. Uh, I'm the generation that's easy to pick on because, you know, most of us are just head down on the phone and, and not, you know, disconnected, but connected in a different way. Uh, and, and it's true. You know, one thing that I have always talked about was you know, uh, especially I used to every January do uh, like a 30 day fast from uh, like secular media and things like that. And one thing I would always really try to spend time focusing on was, you know, like, Lord, show me something that's so undeniably you that yeah. I'll, I will see it and, and, you know, show me these things. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, is it is it the placebo? You know, did I see placebo? Did I make myself you know, think, oh, you know, I saw something great and this is it. And then time and time again, I'm like, man, there's just a lot of a lot of so much of what has happened is yeah. it, it is chance, but it's it's no way it can be chance, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and those are the things that, you know, as you go through life and you get in the routine and you go through day to day and you kind of set backwards, you know, like, you know, maybe you don't you don't stay in, in, in tune and in sync with the Lord or uh, with whatever it is you may pursue. Yeah, uh, you don't stay in sync as much. And uh, it's one of those things that it's so good to hear, hear, hear a testimony like yours, hear a story like yours, because, uh, man, like, how amazing is that? And and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure when you look at it, you, you look at it and, and you're just like, you know, you've got a purpose here. You know, your, yeah. your, your purpose is here to do something and you're, you know, yet to do it, still to do it. And 
Uh, I think that that's amazing. And I think that that's I might be actively doing it. I don't really yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do know, you know, I was I, I was raised to know that I was born on one Sunday and I was in church the next. And I know that, you know, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, we were all full blooded. But um, by the time that I was born, my mom and dad had already divorced. So I was pretty much raised from a single parent. But I knew my dad growing up, you know, I, I would see him throughout growing up. But um, um, we if if we chose my, my mom always let us choose if we weren't going to church or not. If we didn't go to church, that was fine. She she wouldn't make us. But she we also didn't do anything for the rest of that week until we went back to church. Yeah. That was our, that was our grounding if we didn't go to church. So we always went to church. Plus, yeah. I'm, I'm social, man. And church is all about social. So yeah, I went in the mornings, went in the day, went on Wednesday, went to youth. Um, you know, being poor, some of my best trips as a kid was youth church, uh, youth group trips to the beach. That's the only time I ever got to go and, and spend the night at the beach was if I was in 4-H or a youth, youth uh, retreat. So, yeah. um, but that being said, I didn't really, there was never a childhood moment where I was born again because I was raised in it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have a, an aha moment being, you know, with faith. And I'm sure all of our listeners are pretty much God fearing. Um, And I was God fearing growing up. And I think when I, as I went to college and kind of fell out of that whole thing and I never gave up, but I did kind of fall out of it just because I think all young adults in, in some degree do. But as I picked back up and gone through all the hardships that I've gone through as an adult, whether, you know, you call it hardships or blessings or whatever you want to call it, yeah. I don't necessarily fear God as much as people used to do or instill in that as a kid. I'm more of, of an admirer. Mm-hmm. I'm God admirer now. I, I don't really fear him at all. I think everything that he does is a blessing. And, you know, God makes no mistakes. So everything that I go through, whether I feel it's bad or not, those were those were God's intentions. I mean, Mm -hmm. that that's what he needed me to go through for whatever purpose he has me on here. So so I look at every day like that. And Mm -hmm. so as I sit here and hurt because my back is hurting, my head's hurting, all the stuff right now literally is hurting. There's a reason why it is. So I look at that from a, from a positive perspective is mm-hmm. I've got to go through this. And if not for me, for someone else, it's, it's for something. Yeah. And I mean, there's things going on right now in this country, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. We have to go through that. I mean, everything happens for a reason. And if we don't know it, we can label it, whatever we want to label it. We can label it ironic, you know, I mean, I- any type of, human label we put on these circumstances are okay, but they're still going to happen. Yeah. You know, nothing yeah. makes it right or wrong. Only thinking makes it so. So, man, I, I love hearing, I love hearing this stuff because being young and, and, you know, like uh, I've got a wife, I've got a seven year old stepdaughter and I've got a son coming next month. And uh, man, it's one of those things where, you know, I think young people like myself and, and people younger than me, they so desperately need mentorship from someone yeah. who has been doing this a lot longer than us, who has made some of the mistakes for us. And uh, I, I just, I so desperately think that mentorship and the idea of, you know, the, the older generation speaking 
down to the younger generation in a positive manner and passing yeah. on those truths, man, it's so valuable. And I, I feel like it's, it's lost for my generation. You know, it's so hard to go out and try and find someone that, uh, you know, you feel like would be a good fit for a mentor. Yeah. Uh, because you know, it's just, it's just this weird time that we live in. And, you know, there's just so many different things that come into play. And uh, that's something I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to find somebody that I feel is, is an adequate mentor that has been through and had life experience and, you know, can lead me in a way that lives their life in a way that I'd like to replicate, you know, has yeah. a, it's just, it's a moving target all the time. Actually, I have a, I have a book that's, that's open here uh, right now and it's, it's got all my things in it. And, and one of the things, you know, I, I wrote down here today was just spend some time thinking about mentors, spend some time praying about finding your mentor. It's something I've been meaning to do for a long time. And yeah, I, it's so funny. I called one of my friends today and I was like, how do you manage all of the, all these things? Because, uh, you know, like I told him, I was like, I have the podcast. I've got a few other things in the wings. I've got a baby, a family, all these things. And I just need to know how to manage. And, right. And just being able to ask somebody, you know, how do you get through? Yeah. How do you make it through? Someone who's 50, 55 years old. How did you make it through all this? And I it, just keep on working until you can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I personally feel like, especially in our day and age right now, in, in, in our level at, at this time stamp in our society, as I ride by a Taco Bell and see cars wrapped around it twice and I'm going, why can't they? Why would you sit in a Taco Bell drive through for over an hour and wait on three soft tacos? Yeah. <laughs> why not just go home and make something? But yeah. the thing about that is, is we have been taught not to make anything for ourselves. And that's not just food, man. That's like you pop open the, the hood to your truck and it's got a sheet of plastic over that. And that, even though it is a piece of, it, it's a, it's an engine cover. The engineers have designed that so that you pop open that hood because you're going to check your own oil. But you see this thing covered over your hood. Will you stop and you go oh, I'll just it and I'll take it to the dealership. Mm -hmm. There's a strategy behind that. They don't want you to do it. Yeah. And they being society. I don't really think that there is any covert group not wanting you to do everything. I just think that that's the way we have started evolving is that we don't do anything for ourselves anymore. You know, there's cars coming without spare tires in them because they want you to call AAA. God, that's such a so, bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those little Hondas and Kias don't yeah. have spare tires. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? I, I don't. What wild. happens when you, what happens when you have a blowout? Yeah. Because we all know that people, I mean, we grew up, I grew up, my mom's car had four different branded tires on it. I mean, she never had good tires. I mean, I learned I learned how to drive uh, a car being pulled down the interstate with a chain. That's how I learned how to drive. She, <laughs> we had a car break down. She goes, OK, Eric, uh, you're going to steer the car being pulled. I was like, I don't I'm 10. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I will beat your butt. Yeah. And so I did it. You know, yeah. and, she's like, and one thing you, you better not let this thing hit the front car. So we had a Grand Prix being pulled by Monte Carlo down uh, I-65, just, you know, probably yeah. doing about 45 with the flashers on yeah. until the battery ran out and our, my flasher stopped working. So here I am being pulled with the chain down the, uh, at one point, man, I'm telling we actually had a chain break. So we cut off a seatbelt and this is where I learned that seatbelts are probably one of the strongest materials known to man. We pulled a car with a seatbelt. 
like probably about a hundred miles. <laughs> like there wasn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't use trailers, man. We used other vehicles, pull vehicles because amazing. That's just what poor people do. So that's what we did. But yeah, uh, I, I do believe for the rest of the life of that car, the hook underneath it had a seatbelt tied to it because we couldn't get that knot undone. So we just cut the little in, in yeah. the little seatbelt knot on it. Yeah, oh. man, that's so that's that's crazy. It, it, it's so funny how how the past shapes who you are now. You know? Oh yeah. It's I mean, really I mean, so to me, off roading is like you know talking about my mom driving a. a a school bus full of children down a dirt road, hitting ditches and pulling out, getting out of the ditch. So like, you know, I, I lived in Auburn uh, for a long time and I had some friends, I was walking by after a tailgate and I had some friends was like, dude, you think you can pull this truck out? And so I looked at it. I was like, uh, can I get in it and try to get it out? And they were like, Oh man, we've been trying for over now. We can't get this truck. out." I was like, you mind if I try? So, yeah. and it was like a, like a Tahoe Z 71. And um, so I start rocking it, man. And in, in literally like 45 seconds, I had this dude's Tahoe out of the ditch that he, that he said he couldn't get out. Um, and I think people just don't try. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, I have a, I have a, I, I'm big into patches and I have one patch that uh, says no one is coming. And to me, that's kind of, that's, that's almost a motto or a life creed to live by. Yeah. is coming. So now what do you do? You know, I mean, people talk about anxiety. It's like, then go off in the corner and have out whatever you need to have out, but you need to come back and finish the job. I had one job where I, there was no way that I could do it, but then I got to thinking, and this was like at eight o'clock at night and I was running cables up in, up in the uh, drop ceiling. And I was just like, well, no one else is going to do it. So I eventually, I have to get it done. Yeah. One way or another, it's got to be done. And um, man, that's just, those are life lessons. But when it comes to like off-roading, we've been doing it our entire lives, man. I mean, yeah. you know, people are like, how are you going to drive that thing down this little narrow road? I'm like, dude, I've, I've been the steer in a, in a, in a broken down car driving down the interstate. Yeah. And, you know, back in the early eighties, it was acceptable to do it. <laughs> yeah, you get you get you get pulled over pretty fast now. That's oh, dude, cool. I slept in the back window. That's that was my spot on on, yeah. on road trips. Um, my brother uh, went to the Shriners Hospital, and we made many, many, multiple trips to uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And I'm telling you, man, before we could even get out of the county, I was already in that back window, just snoozing, just laid out in the back window. And that's you know, yeah. everyone did that. I mean, nobody was buckled up. I mean, dang, dude, that's wild. That's a whole different. That's a whole different level. I, I can tell you, I've never seen someone back there. So putting the mental image, like I've seen like a cat back there before, but like seeing it, I'm just like, dang, dude, that's a whole. That is a whole different step. I saw it the other day, and it was. Uh, I guess I should not say illegal alien, but it was someone who clearly was not raised in the United States. Yeah. They were in the back window. And I had to laugh because law enforcement's not going to pull them over because yeah. if they pull them over, odds are they might, they might not be documented. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, but I did see somebody in the back window. That's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah so I want to ask you this. Do we're, it. We're now at this point in the off-road world 
where racing looks different. Uh, trail riding looks a little different. And yeah. I want to ask you, do, so do you still have your off-road crawler machine? I don't know. Uh, I got rid of it because I kind of foresaw getting rid of my house because I did briefly have a house for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I never moved out of my RV. A lot of people who came to visit me at the house kind of thought that'd be weird, but it was, I kind of considered it a, a detached bedroom. Sure. Uh, that was my RV. And, um, cause I was, I was, you know, I was taking off in it at least twice a month, but a lot of times every, every weekend I was going somewhere, um, mm -hmm. cause you know, yourself and everybody who's listening, man, there's a lot of events. <laughs> There's a lot of events. I mean, yeah. sometimes we got events stacked on top of each other on the yeah. weekend. So, um, but uh, um, I guess to your question, what was it? What was the question? question? Do you have your crawler still? Oh, no, I don't. So I sold that to a buddy. Um, and, you know, my crawler was, uh, uh, it was a, it was a, it was originally a Land Cruiser. We took the body off of it and I've, I have Frankensteined quite a few Land Cruisers. Uh, all you got to do is just go to my Facebook and, and see them. Um, but uh, uh, Patrick Murrah did me some amazing tube work and made it look like um, an awesome rock bouncer. And I tried to follow the rock bouncers, but uh, I like to break. Uh, they were Land Cruiser axles, so they were nine and a half inch diffs. So they were large diffs. You know, they were the equivalent to a, a Dana 60. Mm -hmm. um, so, but we all know Dana 60s break, but considering they were uh, Toyota and I made what I called it a wonton, W-O-N-T-O-N, like, 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 you know, like Japanese wontons, yeah. uh, but it, on play of wontons. And I once had Ricky, uh, I questioned the size of an FJ80 RCV versus a Dana 60 RCV. And so he did put them together and, and screenshotted it and he posted it somewhere, but also sent it to me because I'd always felt like they were the same size. Mm -hmm. The bells are the exact same size. So, but the shafts are clearly the, the, the Dana sixties are way bigger than the FJ 80. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm not talking about the mini truck RCVs right. for all the listeners. I'm talking about the FJ 80 RCVs. Mm -hmm. The bells are the same size. Cause they, those are bigger knuckles than, than the mini truck axles. Um, and I've always wheeled the, the FJ 80 Land Cruisers and, you know, back in the day of the hardline rides where we used to have actual hardline, uh, events, um, even before I had a buggy, I mean, if you were to ever go look back at them pictures, you'd be like buggy, 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 red FJ 80 Land Cruiser, buggy, yeah. buggy. And, and I was on 35s, man. I wasn't even on big tires. It's just that I wasn't afraid to gas it. Yeah, because I always know, man, I'm like, I don't I, I, I don't mind breaking it because I know that Craigslist will keep making it. You know, it's like. I will break this part because I can go on eBay or I can go on Craigslist and I mean, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep destroying Land Cruisers as long as the Internet keeps making them. <laughs> break them. Yeah, they out there. I mean, they out there. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm big in the Land Cruiser community. I love it. Uh, I go to a lot of Land Cruiser events um, mm -hmm. throughout the whole U U.S., primarily in the southeast, Texas, Arkansas, uh, Tennessee. So, And we go to the same places, man. I mean, we used to have an event at Gray Rock just like all the other events. And, you know, it, the only difference was there'd only be like 30 trucks there as opposed yeah. to 300 trucks. Yeah. So we had the run of the park. And um, people are like, man, I'm like, hey, I've 
you know, I've, I've, I've winched up Cable Hill <laughs> in my Land Cruiser. Yeah. Uh, and I've gotten halfway up it and then, you know, you, you get to the big ledge and then you got to winch it somehow. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's pictures of me just doing stupid. I mean, Cole's got pictures of me at Cable Hill, just raw dogging it, trying to get up. I mean, I've, I've, uh, he's jumped in with me before mm-hmm. uh, filming and, uh, I, you know, he, he thinks it's nice to actually have AC or heater or whatever you need because you're in a Land Cruiser, man, you're in a boxed in truck and it will yeah. literally go anywhere you need it to go. Yeah. Uh, Matt's gone with me. Um, and, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, just Ricky's gone with me. Everybody's gone with me. I think Ricky was, uh, in front of me once trying to go down a hill and I got stuck in the ruts cause on my 35s, I got high centered like a turtle. Yeah. We got a picture of Ricky in his freaking razor trying to pull me out while everyone else is around laughing. Cause I was just, so then I had to, you know, I had to, I had to get out and, uh, you know, whip out my tongue and give a good tongue lashing to everybody who was <laughs> looking at us laughing with yeah. Ricky trying to pull up, you know, a 5,500 pound truck off of, you know, teetering. It was yeah. great. Man. It's, and those are the good times that no one forgets. You're just out there. I can't even remember when that was, man. That was a long time ago. Talking about razors. That was, I think that was Ricky's first razor. Uh, Ricky's first razor. If anybody didn't know, it was a razor 170 is what Ricky what? used. To, yeah. No, that's yeah. no. I was like, what? I was like, maybe I missed something, man. No, uh, he's uh, tall, man. That would have <laughs> been cool though, to actually see like maybe me riding with Ricky in a 170. I, I, so, I've, always, yeah. I've always threatened to get a, a 170. You ought to. I, I've you, never had a razor. Um, so, so let me ask you this: What do you think about razors being introduced to the off-road community since you've been in it so long? Yeah. So that, you know, I'm a I'm a worldly man, and I, I get why people do things, and I know there is one reason why it is a Polaris first. Polaris was like Toyota. You know, people be like Toyota was the best. It was like no, Toyota opened up a way for people to finance their vehicles, and so. And then Ford Credit quickly followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Toyota was the first company to say, come finance with us. Well, so did. And so Polaris did that 10 years ago. And when yeah. Polaris opened up financing, now everybody can go get one because all your, your FICO credit score has got to be 600. You can go get a razor. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you've got a 500 credit score. Well, that's fine. You'll just have a 20 percent interest rate. And people yeah. still did it. Yeah. Because they like, you know. 20 ain't nothing but a number. So they'll do it. That's right. 28, nothing but a number. <laughs> 28 nothing but a number, but it's also their, their interest rate. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it's it me that somebody's going to pay that. Yeah. I but, was like, I don't know if that's the right number for me. <laughs> I'm telling you, but yeah. you know, people want to know why their razors took off the way they did. That's why, I mean, you know, uh, the Polaris plant and, um, and in, 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 in Huntsville, uh, some of the welding that that comes out of that, uh, some of the reweld jobs, have you seen some of those pictures? I try not to look because I, I still, buy, still buy their machines. So I, yeah. <laughs> they look like I did it, and I, I don't weld. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Bubblegum is what it is. Uh, yeah. Welds. But no, um, I don't know if they're a sponsor of yours. but uh, No, they're not. Okay, and- maybe they just maybe no. they should uh, they should check their rework stations. Yeah, they should. Uh, some of the stuff that I've seen come out of there within the past two years, especially, I'm just like, woo, buddy. You know, you really yeah. got to look at these machines yeah. when you go buy them new. I'm not buying. I, I always tell people I don't like buying new machines. 
let somebody, you know, do the damage for you. Find one that someone did no damage to. Yeah. Let headaches out of the way and then make a letter rod. Well, yeah, but if if you do that, now you have to go to your credit union because your bank ain't going to do it. Maybe your credit union is. But yeah. Polaris ain't going to finance a used razor. Yeah, that's that's very true, too. So I also operate. And again, this is this is no judgment or whatever. You know, this is just how I like to run everything. Uh, I will not buy something unless I have cash for it. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. I see. I I wish I had that. Um, I I. I'm old, man. I'm in my mid forties and I know this baby face. I know that we don't have, my children, but I'm an old guy. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I've learned, I've had a, I've had a large, uh, a, a, a quite a large amount of uh, financial, um, realizations <laughs> throughout yeah. my years. I mean, you know, I'm stable. I, ha I think I always have been, but yeah, I've always, I, I've, I've gone through some ups and downs and, yeah. And, and I'll, 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 I'll speak more to it because, you know, nobody learns that lesson. Nobody comes out of the gate and says, you know what, I'm going to be fiscally responsible. Everybody has a learning lesson. They have a learning point. And, yep. you know, mine was, I don't remember the year. And if my parents are ever hear of this, you know, I love you guys to death. Uh, you know, don't you know. No one cares about listening to this story, but uh, you know, I was Christmas morning and my parents, my mom handed me a hundred dollar bill and my dad handed me a hundred dollar bill. And, uh, they were just like, you know, Merry Christmas. Oh, this is great. You know, I'm set, I think I was 17. And, uh, they said, yeah, we are, we are broke. And I was like, Oh, I don't understand. Like at the time, you know, again, just take it all with a grain of salt people. Uh, at the time we were living in like a 5,600 square foot house, like something crazy. Okay. And, uh, they're like, we're broken. I was like, I don't understand. They're like basically explained that we had $150,000 of debt that we had accrued um, from moving into our, from our old house to our new house. We, the market was garbage. So we got the big house uh, at a really cheap price, but we couldn't get rid of the other house. So the, the I think we, we ended up owning two houses for almost a year and a half and they took a huge bath on the other house. And, um, it was a really bad situation. And, and what I did was I saw how bad it hurt my parents. Um, I saw how bad it made my dad feel. And my mom was surprised by the entire thing. And uh, I mean, she basically did, had no knowing of it, just like we did. And uh, I, I got to go through it with my family and my, you know, I went through with my mom and we went through finances and she explained how it happened. And I was like, well, is there anything I can do to help? Because I saw how it hurt our family. Um, and, you know, I, I got a job and all this stuff and tried helping. And, you know, basically she said, take care of yourself kind of thing. We'll do what we do normally, but just, you know, take care of your things. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I saw that and I told myself, I don't, I don't want to ever a have a surprise like that. And B, um, you know, you can accidentally, it, with the best of intentions, walk yourself into a bad situation. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those, it's a life lesson. Everybody learns it at some point. I just got really lucky and learned it when I was 17 rather than, uh, you know, later in life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I, I've learned all kinds of life lessons that way. I mean, and I, I have people in my family who are still the same way as they were then, but, you know, and I, I'm like, I mentioned earlier, man, there, there were weeks on end where we, you know, the power was shut off. Sure. We had times where the water was shut off. I mean, we almost, we way back in the day when people had landlines, we never had a landline because it was shut off. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have the money for it. 
And so, um, you know, no one ever teaches personal finance in, in high school. And I really wish that they would because um, I think everyone would benefit from it. But at the same time, you know, there's bankruptcy laws. And the reason why it is so hard to file bankruptcy is because of all the credit agencies that are lobbying and world's biggest lobbyists. So they're lobbying our education system to not teach you how to use it. Um, And you went to college. I mean, at least when I was in college in the early 90s, they would beat you down the door to get you signed up for a Discover or a Visa or a MasterCard. They wanted you to have all these cards. Yeah. It's like, I don't have an income. And they're like, oh, well, how much do you pay in student loan? Or how much is your how much is your uh, your tuition this quarter? And I was like, well, I think it's five thousand dollars. I'm like, well, there's your income right there. I'm like, uh, that's so not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. But that's how they would have me fill out the application. So the next the next month, uh, a week later, a Discover card shows up in my mail with a five thousand dollar limit. Wow. So you know, it's uh, teach teach kids, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I I got lucky too. My actually my so personal finance is required in Tennessee schools. You have to take that class in high school. Ooh. Now I, I got very lucky that my teacher actually chose to teach it in a way that was beneficial. Um, yeah. she, she was in her late sixties, had become like debt free when she was in her fifties, you know, lived the life, told her stories, the whole nine yards. And she actually walked us through um, some of Dave Ramsey's financial peace stuff. Yeah. And let me, let me put an asterisk here. I didn't, I didn't pay cash for my house. You know, I'm not like a you know billionaire or anything like that. It's not, it's, there's situations when debt makes sense, but uh, again, no judgment, guys, but a, a razor is not necessarily the thing that you should walk into, you know, $20,000 of debt for by any means. Um, but that being said, you know, uh, you know, I had I had a couple of good teachers. The one one takeaway I took from that personal finance class was have a safety net. You know, if you can cover three months of expenses in your savings account. Awesome. And then yeah. two. uh don't miss a, don't miss a payment. Don't miss right. a payment. That's no. it. And I've, I've never missed a payment on anything because I, A, I use auto draft and because I have a three month buffer, I can use auto draft with no wow. worries, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And, it's and you, do that. You, you hit the nail. I mean, you said it right there. You have a buffer. So, you know, if you're like me where I live foot to mouth, I don't, I don't really have the buffer like what you're saying. I, and I don't have any dependents, man. Yeah. I don't have any beneficiaries, in fact. I mean, like, you know, I've got my sister who's set up as my beneficiary. But mm. and the fact that, man, my medical debt, I, I still owe yeah. hospitals. Yeah. Um, and I know a few years ago, you know, I someone called me out or at least they thought they were calling me out. They're like, man, we did this GoFundMe for you and you must be buddy rich. And I'm like, you don't realize that GoFundMe went straight to a hospital bill and I still have twice that amount yeah. still looming over my head. So a, a few years ago, one of the stupid things I did was I actually put one of my uh, medical bills on a credit card, like an idiot. So I have, I still have that. I, mm-hmm. I carry a balance on that credit card, but yeah, but I, I admire people like you. So old people can, I can use you as an example. It's, uh, you know, it, I, I'll tell you this. I, I found out the other day um, kind of how it feels to learn about different starting positions in life. And uh, one of my one of my absolute like closest friends, I found out he's I think he's like 27. And 
Uh, I found out the other day, like, I'm pretty sure he's got like a million in the bank. Okay? Wow. Straight up. Now, what it did was instantly I felt bad about myself because. That will never be me. It will never be me. Let me say that. Hold on a minute. Go ahead. And, and what it did was it made me feel bad. And, it, you know, it was one of those things where I was I was envious for a, a, probably a couple of days where I was like, man, that sucks. And, and I started to think about it. I'm like, you know, there's this platform that he had his family, you know, owns this company, blah, 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 blah. And I started making this not like resentment or anything, but I caught myself and I was like, this is the argument that people make when they say, you know, not everyone starts. You know, I don't want to use the term privilege because yeah. that, like, that like triggers people on the right. You know, like right. no. say privilege and all of a sudden people are like, what? And it's, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we all don't start in the same place. And, and again, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a communist or socialist by any means, but it really put in perspective, like, you know, I had, I feel like I had an excellent starting platform. I paid for my college, but my parents got me right to that door, you know, with as best they could and everything I needed. You know, I had a job, worked, all that kind of stuff. I was very, you know, all those things. But yeah. when you look to the right and you're like, holy shit. Right. That's no. a totally different ball game there. You have to realize that everyone does start. And, and it's one thing, like, people who are arrogant do not have a place with at my table. No. I'll tell that. And because nothing, nothing makes me not want to be around you more. Like, if I meet someone... I've met people on the trail before and the arrogance just is like spewing out of them. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait until this conversation is over and I don't have to speak with you ever again because it just, it's, it's gross. It's so and, nasty. I mean, and, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care for those type of people. I mean, you know, I actually, my, my senior year in high school, I paid my mother's rent. So yeah. uh, to say that I ever had any money would just be far from it. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't even own my first car until my third year in college. My mm -hmm. first two years, I rode a bicycle. Cause I mean, I, that's what I do for fun anyway, is ride bicycles, but I didn't have a car. I mean, mm -hmm. I rode a bike and I, I, you know, I borrowed other people's feet cars when I needed, you know, a date or whatever. But mm -hmm. you know, that was, that was strategery was to just, you know, date a girl with a car. I, that's how, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I had a meal ticket to eat on campus. I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't go out to eat. And, um, you know, as far as like having a bunch of money in the bank, I never will because I just I have a giver's mentality and mm -hmm. uh, just a giver's personality. I mean, and I mean, I just gave a lot this past Christmas to a family, probably more than I've ever given. I mean, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, but there were five people and four kids that had never seen the type of presence that I was able to, to give them. Yeah. I, I grew up 18 years with some of the, the worst Christmases. I mean, I grew up in a big family, so I enjoyed Christmases and holiday seasons, but man, we didn't get anything. I mean, there was one specific Christmas where we got zero, nothing. Yeah. And so, I mean, I grew up appreciating things, but not, appreciating objects. And I mean, I think that's where um, relationships mean more to me than objects, especially material objects, material goods literally mean nothing to me. So I don't, I don't have to have money in the bank or a million dollar home or even a 200, $300,000 home. I don't have to have any of that. Yeah. I, I feel like people need it, you know, cause you need shelter. Mm -hmm. And I think people should, 
spend money on what they what they feel like they should. Yeah. Um, but I'm never going to have it. Um, I like I, I think I posted on Facebook the other day about winning the lottery, and I really want to because you know I want to get a new motor house. Yeah. Um, I want to build a couple of sheds, but you know I want to build a couple of RV parks throughout the United States so that I can live in them myself, but also to benefit other people to stay in them as well. Yeah. Um, and I just, I want, I want everyone to have exact ever anything that they want. And if you right. want something, I want you to have it. Um, yeah. And, and I need to, I feel like I need to kind of say this uh, to kind of wrap around the story here. When yeah. my family was in that house. We, we did, we spent, a, we spent about 10 years in that house and that's the house where I cut my teeth and became a man really. Right. Uh, but you know, my, my parents goal and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a like a uh, monetary objective person. They aren't either, but right. like my dad and, his, and and my mom, their one goal was like, they wanted to ball out on a house and that's what they did. We didn't, we didn't do anything. You know, we didn't have like super nice cars or anything like that. We were very normal. And, and my parents chose to really ball out on this house, came to uh-huh. bite them in the ass at the very end. But yeah. You know, it's one of those things they don't live there anymore. You know, it's kind of those things where it was this this one moment in time where they got to see this dream. And I know the main reason they sold the house was just because it was it was too much and all this and that. You know, it's just too much to handle maintenance, all that stuff. But long story short, um, you know, in this very book today, I also wrote in here, you know, what is my next thing that I want to do? What am I working for? And what am I working towards? And when I had that discussion or when I had that realization about a friend of mine, I, I had like a gut check and I was like, is that what I want? Like, am I upset because I'm, I'm coveting that because I want that? And it's, and it's not it. I, yeah. I, no. You know, when you see that kind of thing or when you see the Powerball, like I look at the Powerball and I laugh because I think in Tennessee it's 430 million right now. Yeah. And I'm like, Dude, that's a, like I would love to win because that is a hysterical amount of money that would change. Literally, you could do so many different things, yep. but it's not necessarily about being, you know, a 400 millionaire or whatever or being a millionaire. It, it, it opens the gate for other things. But I thought about it. You know, is it is my next thing? Do I want to work so hard that I move into this different position where money comes in at a different rate? And that's not it. That's not what I want to do. There's no draw for that. I've seen the other side of that coin. And, you know, my dad still and has forever, you know, wakes up at three 30 in the morning, goes to bed at 10 30 or gets off work at 10 30 and does it every single day. You know, he's going to work himself to death, but yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know. And that's right. That's kind of something I'm at now in, in the pursuit of a mentor. I'm also looking what's the next thing for me. And I, I think that for the meantime, it'll be, you know, little baby, baby Jesse uh, needs all my attention and love, but uh, well, you know, I've, gone, I've gone down the mentor path before. Yeah. And one of the things that, I, I can't remember. I've I've written I've I've read at least three dozen self help books. Mm-hmm. One of the things that stuck out to me on one of them was it's okay for mentors to people to not know that that you're viewing them as a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's good for them to know that way they can kind of be cognizant of what you're doing and what they're doing in front of you. Yeah. But, it's okay if if there is someone in your life who you kind of want to model yourself after or model certain characteristics. It's okay to not let them know that that you're mentoring them. Just because I mean, whether, whether you know it or not, anyway, you're, you're using people as mentors right now. You may not label them as a mentor, but you're doing it. Yeah. And it's like what, like, um, you know, your friend with the million dollars, um, 
you may be using him as an example of what not to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but you're using it in a positive manner, whereas it's not what to do. And I mean, I, I, the way I look at my childhood was I was raised or I was least, I was surrounded by people on what not to do in life. Um, uh, and then I was around people that did have things where, okay, this is what you do. Yeah. And this, this is how you treat people. Um, so you take little bits of pieces from everybody to kind of form yourself, but, um, man, you can have mentors and them not know it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I had one guy who we all know, and I'm not going to mention him. Um, he's since at least he he's passed. Um, but, um, Man, I used him as a mentor, like just nonstop. And I still do. I still reflect on a lot of the things that that he did and said um, and just the way he traded people, because I, you know, this world is built on nothing but relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the older I get, the more I, the more, you know, I think about being present and how you interact with somebody, even if it's the you know, if it's the lady you're talking to at McDonald's who took your credit card and swipes it and, and she says, you know, Hey, here's your thing. And, I'm, and you know, you give her a card. Hey, how are you? You know, uh -huh. That's and right. it's so funny. I actually take my dogs with me anytime I go anywhere, really. So yeah. I always got a big a golden retriever hanging his head out the side of it. And it's always the best starting piece. It's like, hey, I love your dog. I'm like, hey, thanks so much. Like, uh, are you having a good day? How's your day going? And yeah. it's little things like that. Like I have, you know, there have been times when you talk to somebody and they'll like just unload on you, like in the McDonald's drive thru and you're like, Oh, I'm so like, I'm sorry you're having a bad day or I'm sorry, this and that. And, you know, sometimes I've been that person that's like unloaded on people before yeah. and just saying it to somebody else is the fix. And I don't know. I just think about it all the time. Like, you know, you never know what just the smallest smile or right. you know, no. can do to somebody. One of the things that I've actually done in in recently, but um, was and in, in a self-help book, it was just like consciously smile while you're walking down the street just smile and just yeah. see what type of reaction you get from people as opposed to just, you know, you're scowling. The yeah. other thing that I saw was like, as you're driving home and you're stopped at a traffic light and you're surrounded by other vehicles, because if you're in a big city, you'll have people on the right and the left of you look over at them and look at, and look, just look at the scowl on their face from either they're going to work or coming from work. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. They're just sitting there and it's not and the sun's not even out. They're not they're not squinting because of the sun, yeah. but they're sitting there just with, you know, with a with a shit eating look on their face. And they're just, yeah. you know, resting bay faced. Yeah. And so if you sit there, people actually will think you're crazy. But, you're yeah. just, you know, you're like. And they're like, look at this. Idiot. Like, <laughs> it's, it's something wrong with him. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> It's all about being conscious. And I think you're, you're hitting it on the head. Be present. Yeah, that's a fact. But I tell you what, we'll, we diverted back from all the, all the uh, off-road stuff. And I well, hope no, that's who I am, man. Yeah. You, you had Eric Hagen on your, on, on, this is what I do. Yeah. If you've ever sat with me on the side of a hill, this is what we talk about. That's why Brian Ford, uh, we probably have the best time. Um, we, I remember there was a race at AOP where, it was me and Brian Ford and probably, you know, it started out with probably three or four other people. But by the end of the day, there were more people congregated around us just having a party and not even watching the race. Like yeah. we, we, 
I can't remember what was going on, but we were doing something. And next thing you know, they were like, Hey, can we, um, they're, uh, they're, they're over there on this hill. Uh, y'all need to actually turn around and watch them. Yeah. Because we had stopped watching the race and was just enjoying each other's company. Cause that's what yeah. we did. Yeah. Well, that's that's, it, man. that's life, man. That's, that's the beauty of, of this. And, um, man, no one comes to see me about my off-road prowess because I ain't got it. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you because before, I mean, we're barking on two hours here. I want to ask you a few things before we, before we start uh, winding it down. What do you think about off-roading right now? What do you think about racing? What do you think about the whole scene? It's developed into high technology, high performance, a little bit different than it used to be. Got yeah. sticky tires, high, you know, crazy suspension. What do you think about everything? Um, I think we're at a turning point um, where, you know, we may, if it, if it gets missed, oh, well, but, you know, people was like, I think it could get on TV. Uh, I, I think as, as far as TV goes, I think TV's on its way out anyway. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people who had been approached from producers that were going to do things, but. For the most part, almost all that has fizzled out because if you're not watching primetime TV, like no one is, mm -hmm. you know, you're not watching primetime TV. I, I can, I, the answer to that question is, well, I'm not. Well, that's because no one is. Mm -hmm. And everyone's watching Hulu and everyone's watching Amazon Prime. Everyone's watching everything on the internet. So could we do something on that? Yeah, maybe. But as far as like, you know, like a, a Duck Dynasty kind of thing, that's, that that ship sailed, you know, last decade. I don't yeah. think I don't think it's out there anymore. I mean, I, I think the next greatest frontier is the one that we're already in, man. You know, YouTube and Facebook and, and what you're doing right now. I mean, you know, I know the first year that you were doing this, there was no face. You know, it was all audio. Yeah. And yeah. now we've got video. So people can at least watch this. They can mm -hmm. listen to it on podcasts while driving down the road. But if they're sitting there now, because everyone, you know, not everybody, but they're sitting there in front of a computer screen. They've got it on one monitor while they're acting like they're working on the other. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I understand, man. I yeah. understand. Like my work right here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're on, uh, you're on one of my screens. So the other uh, one is not work cause it is after work hours, but yeah. yeah, man. Oh, that's the, that's the truth, man. We're always plugged in. Yeah. You got it. You and got I, it, have, I have like three monitors for my laptop. So, mm -hmm. and I dock my laptop and I've got like, you know, I'm looking at spreadsheets and everything else and, you know, helping them. Um, you know, I, we don't even we don't even use our phone anymore. But um, so to that point, I think the future of off roading is is going is is going into tech, man. Mm -hmm. um, people want to see I've, I've watched enough of your episodes and I know a lot of people complain. They're like, I want to get down to the back of the hills. I want those hills in the back of the park. Mm -hmm. and I'm going. Okay, well, that's probably where it's eventually going to go to because they don't. If we can film back there, we can get the live feeds to you in the back. Yeah. So we don't really have to have the crowds. And yeah. I mean, I've been to all the events. I've been. I mean, I've been to, and all, all the promoters. And I'm saying, and some some of those part, uh, some of those uh, events are dismal. Some of them don't even have. I mean, I was at one where it had 200 spectators, and mm -hmm. I'm. How do you even how do you even keep this going? Yeah. Um, especially if 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 that event's not filming and not put, putting it on live or they're, if they're not, if they don't have any of the media there to film it and put it online. Yeah. Um, 
how how can you even sustain that? You can't yeah. sustain that. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing that I think uh, is going to have to. It's a requirement from this point on. Like, I, you know, we'll just call call a spade a spade here. Ultra Four right now, I think, is leading the charge on how to do things. Not, I want to say professionally, because it's not like everyone else isn't doing it professionally, but they seem to have the production side figured out. You know, yeah. uh, I, I don't see Ultra Four. You know, I see like their you know thirty minute specials on CBS Sports and things like that. But King of the Hammers is one hundred and ten percent on YouTube and Facebook. Yep, and it is the biggest race. It's a huge pool. You know, yada yada yada, all these different things. But they seem to be kind of paving the way and, you know, with the addition of Ford, with the addition of progressive as sponsors, I mean, we're just going to see the, the hammer King infrastructure kind of be, you know, moved on. I think that uh, rock bouncing, you're exactly right. I really think it'll become um, maybe like an, like an NFL game where you're watching it through a stream and you have commentators like we do now. and, And it'll become this, this non, uh, the infrastructure of the production is very important, but the producer side of it, the network side of it, isn't. It's not. It's not a thing anymore. Um, so I like what you're saying because I think you're right. I don't. I don't necessarily think that ESPN might be the best goal anymore. I think that I think the goal is beef the beef up the infrastructure you have into getting it out to where everyone can sit on their phone and watch it in traffic. Yeah. You know? hey. You've got Red Bull TV, but it's in, uh, you know, it's in Apple. You know, you, you've got it's subscribe. It's not on a channel. You know, it's yeah. not the Discovery Channel or ESPN. It's yeah. it's just available for you to watch online and, and yeah. stream it. And, you know, as far as like these bigger uh, Ultra 4, you know, Ultra 4 is, is not really a series anymore. It's more of a product. Ultra yeah. 4 is literally a a a a marketable product that you can say, okay, this is a package. Yeah. And so, well, I think I, what's really weird about ultra four is how specialized King of the hammers is. Right. You know, I, like, I, think, I think we're starting to see that kind of evolve for us uh, with like visions. I think visions will kind of, is like going to be a miniature version for a while until it kind of gets its own culture yeah. to it. But uh, you know, it's so strange to me why king of the hammers it like you have ultra four and you have the king of the hammers race like right. these they're, they're separate but they're not it's 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 a it's a it's marketing and yeah. you know, you've got the title it's the world's largest one day race yeah and that's kind of huge because i mean i haven't studied it but who doesn't know that who doesn't know it's the world's Agreed. largest day race because that's a that's a that's a statement that's an entire sentence where i don't i didn't i didn't memorize it i just mm-hmm. know it because mm-hmm. but that's because that's what it is mm-hmm. and it's it's marketing and when you when you've got things like that you become a product you're not just a you know you're not just an a small event entity at this point now i mean everybody mm-hmm. knows it so now you can go and sell that product and you don't even have to go ultra four doesn't even have to go and sell it. You've got other people out there selling it uh, here on the East coast, selling it to other yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Messaging me and going, you're going to, you know, you're going to King of the hammers this year. I'm like, well, first of all, I've never been, never been to King of the hammers. I've never lost anything in California. Uh, I mean, I never having gone. 
uh, I may be the only person in off-roading that even kind of close to wears a black shirt that doesn't care to ever. I don't ever care. People are constantly, what? I can't yeah. believe you don't care. I, 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 there's nothing in it for me for endurance racing, man. I've never been an endurance racing fan. Sure. I've gone and watched some endurance racing over there at uh, Morris Mountain, but that was it. That was because my buddies were doing it and I could go out there and yell at them and you yeah. know, shake my fist at them. Yeah. Which funny to me, that's actually Cole Shirley was racing in an endurance race at Morris Mountain. I didn't even know who he was, but that's how that's how long ago it was. Yeah. And of all people, of all people who I was standing there with, I was standing there with Matt Myrick and he goes, oh, that's Cole Shirley. I was like, who? Who is it? He's like, Mad Ram. I was like, who's Mad Ram? And I didn't know who it was. This was, man, I'm telling you, this was a long, long time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. In fact, that's when Cole had just got his his buggy after uh, Fireball. Yeah. Um, uh, was that the Jeep buggy? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Or uh, 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 Jim's Garage. Jim's yeah. Garage. Yeah. Man. It was brand new. That's brand a cool new. thing, man. I love it's watching. Cool. I love going back and watching that era where everybody just, I mean, it was like just, hit you know second neutral drop to second just bang it and just Absolutely. like relentlessly beat oh, yeah. it hook dirt yeah you gotta have that hook dirt at the top of it that's that people talk about the bible bang holla yeah uh, and what was funny was i didn't know that that's like trying to draw two and two together i had seen fireball i had seen cole um i just didn't know who he was Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know who that what it was. I mean, I remember talking about Fireball, and they're like, well, he didn't have it anymore. I'm like, oh, wait, what? I was like, so that's the same guy. I mean, this, these were way back in the day uh, times. Yeah. I mean, but so at the same time, I see I'd already, we were doing things in the other Toyota world. And at at Gray Rock, at Morris Mountain, at Chocolaca. I mean, we were at Chocolaca, and Brian Cole come up with all the Cole Works crew. Mm -hmm. And had our little buggies on 33s and 35s and and the 37 inch stickies and here comes cole uh brian cole in the uh the highlighter buggy and i think i think timmy was with them and i, I mean i think a whole bunch of them yeah. there was about a dozen buggies unloaded and this was it would have been chocolate back in like 08 maybe 09 um and uh here we are and they, they're climbing up a violator and we're going up you know another little hill so it's our little group and their little group, but you know, two totally different ends of the off-road spectrum, but we're, we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and beating the crap out of it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to be at a rock bouncing event and a little samurai buggy come scooting up between, you know, where, you know, big. That'll, that'll hurt your feelings. Listen, that'll hurt your feelings real quick. <laughs> I, that's what I do. Like, I mean, I like, I used to, I had, 30 inch rollers on my truck one, one day. And I was just going the bypass trails and I went up Los Primos. So there's a video of me going up Los Primos on 30 inch street tires. And everybody's like, you got to go this way. You're too small. Those little tires. But I just kept going riding right by the 43 inch sticky tires. Or actually, go, I'm going to watch that. That's good. It, yeah. In it, uh, ben bones in it. Um, just a bu bunch of local heroes were in it. Yeah. Um, it's uh but that's you know that's that's what we do i mean that's and that's what we did was just you know rode with friends 
and we still do it, man. The events, the races, people are still, people will cut out and start riding in the middle of the race, you know, yeah. and they'll go out and trail ride. Yeah. Trail riding ain't dead. No, 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 no. I think it's got a new life in it right now. I don't know that it's ever gone anywhere, man. Cause I'm telling you, I've, I've been on that. I, I know the other end of the spectrum. I'm friends with those people. I mean, when there's an event going on at, you know, at, at Hawk pride or an event going on at, you know, blue holler. Well, there's people wheeling at Stony Lonesome. There's people wheeling over there in Arkansas. Yeah. People wheeling in Texas. I mean, they're, they're wheeling everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I definitely don't think trail riding is dead. In fact, this weekend at AOP, I stayed and watched a race for about an hour and a half. Well, maybe a little less than that. Yeah. And then I rode for five hours that day. It was yeah. best. It was one of the best, man. I had a great time. I love the events because I like to hang out, man. Mm -hmm. I, well, we're talking about just because when you're sitting there hanging out in an event, you're not. I mean, are you talking about trucks? Yeah, you're talking about LSs and you're talking about all the other buggies. But at the same time, you're also talking about just stupid life stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you're asking everybody how their kids are doing and, you know, all this, I don't know, just random junk. And I'm, I, there ain't no more, nobody's more random than me. Yeah. I, I like I, it. I, that's why they put us on the, uh, that's why they put me on the mic. I know it, at Southern Rock Racing Finals and, and, um, when, uh, when me and Joey got on the mic, God, that was probably the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, uh, Trip was right there kind of towards our ear. I mean, but uh, me and Joey Beck were having a blast on the mic. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to see that pairing again. Did, oh, did you? You did you see it? I think you were chatting of on. Course. Of course, I was chiming right in with y'all. Well, what was funny was you know his wife was literally beside us off camera, mm -hmm. dying laughing at us. Uh, and yeah, Clyde was laughing at us. Uh, so we were feeding off all the energy around us, and and with you know we you know when you've got 1500 horsepower blowing in the background, how can you not get excited? I mean, right. it's, it was a blast. That's like I told him off camera. I was like, dude, I, I kind of wish I had like something to talk about. Like we were just, we were just ad libbing the entire time. Yeah. We didn't have anything to talk. Like we didn't have any notes. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, it was good times. Kyle, well, if I, if I see you at a Southern rock race this year, uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll get a chance to see you on the mic. You are going to see me, um, especially, uh, I think, since you're going to be there. Uh, yeah, you'll see me for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I uh, I uh, definitely might be there. So we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, hey, I tell you what, two hours. An it is. Hour. On by. I'm looking out my windows and it's dark. So yes. Um, yes. I know that, um, and I'm looking up at the news and uh, night has fallen there too. So. Um, is it crazy there? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I don't think anything's happened yet, but oh, uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about what's going on. <laughs> right, right. How about this? How about we close it out here? Give everyone a good night kiss, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Eric Hagen, where can people find you on social media? Uh, is that the internet? I heard the interweb. Okay, um, <laughs> man, I'm just. I think I'm already friends with them anyway. I mean, I. Um, That'll work. I other day so yeah I, I think i'm eric n hagen n stands for nancy is what my brother says <laughs> everywhere um instagram facebook all of it uh i'm gonna probably be doing something soon so be long to look out for that but uh aside from that here uh, i am 
Eric, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you always keep up with the podcast, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, most importantly, if you can, subscribe to our YouTube and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if possible. Today's show is powered by RCV Performance Products. One really cool thing is that RCV uh, not only runs their trail series, but they also have a pro series of axles. In fact, they're on their second iteration for UTVs. Uh, the RCV Performance Pro Series 2 axles, which have a, com- have a completely different design from the Series 1 where they used a bell. Uh, the Pro Series 2 is more like the boot system CV style that you're normally used to seeing on uh, other UTV axles, but they have taken it to the next level. They are designed and engineered to handle the most abusive conditions from trail riding to desert racing, which I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to adjust that ad because I think that there's rougher things than desert racing out there. I think a lot of the rock bouncer UTVs, the rock, you know, the rock buggy UTV buggies, uh, those guys are pretty harsh on parts with years of experience though, in racing and working with the top drivers in the industry. RCV has been able to develop the ultimate axle solution. Seriously, guys, this is the end-all, be-all. You want to know what Tim Cameron runs? You want to know what Lauren Healy runs? It's it's funny when guys who do completely opposite things run the same parts because there's no better. It should tell you something. That the Pro Series 2 axle features RCV's high-temperature spec grease designed to withstand the harshest environments, the outboard pro series orange boot is built to be precise within specifications to be puncture resistant and heat resistant up to 450 degrees and all of those are manufactured in the united states it's big rcv on the show is big guys rcv performance products on facebook and instagram and let me get the website here i think it's rcv performance Let's get it, rcvperformance.com. And if you make a phone call, tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. And uh, I, I, I would mean a lot to me. So next on the list is the all-powerful Super Grip ATV tires. In the opening ad, I talked about running 32-inch tires, uh, my 32-inch K9 XTs, but I'm going to flip-flop a little bit. I also finally got my amp tires. My amp tires are 29-inch tall, 9 inches wide, they're like the front bighorn tires that come on your uh, razor right off the lot. Let me tell you guys, uh, I'm excited to try them because I've got them. They're a little bit more of a complex tread pattern. There's more technology added into the rubber, into the pattern itself. Uh, but one of the really cool things is I've got them hooked up on some beadlocks and I'm ready to do some little dirt racing. If I can make it out to Dirty Turtle or somewhere like that, I cannot wait to go give those amp tires uh, a beating on the track or somewhere that maybe is not like Adventure Off-Road Park or not like Johnson Valley where you need huge ground clearance from huge tires. If I have somewhere like Windrock or something where I'm probably going to be riding some distance, I'm going to give those amp tires a try. They're six-ply made of the extremely high-quality rubber that comes from Super Grip ATV tires. I'm really excited to put some miles on those bad boys. Just need a chance to take them out. Super Grip ATV, Performance ATV tires, 
on Instagram and Facebook and supergripatv.com. Next on the list is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. I talked a little bit in the opener as well about how they valved my shocks and got them fixed and just they're just better. Like there's not a there's not even a strong comparison between good and bad. These shocks are better. It's amazing. Just with a little bit of fine tuning because Chris over at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, it's a big, 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 big difference. If you have an extra thousand bucks, I think, I think, guys, I think that's the price point. Thousand bucks will get your shocks revalved, reworked, you know, whatever you want to call it, cleaned up and sent back to your doorstep. And let me tell you guys something you'll thank me later because there's a ton of expensive organizations out there that want to charge you you know upwards of $2,500, $3,000. Chris at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop gets the job done in a beautiful manner. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be pimping it out if I didn't believe in it. So Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Instagram, Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook. All Things UTV is also a sponsor. One thing that's pretty cool uh, is I'm not going to have to worry about ever breaking axles now that I have RCVs, but in the event that you have broken an axle, All Things UTV has a product called Axle Magic. It is a patented uh, slide hammer design made to get axles out of your differential or transmission where it's broken at the CV side uh, on the transmission or differential side. The CV is broken. You see people all the time, they have to either go pull the other side and hit it, hit, hit it out with a hammer if it's going through the transmission, or if it's broken off in the differential, you know, they'll have to really do some crazy magic to get it out of there. All Things UTV has your solution with the Axle Magic 2. It's a great axle puller, and uh, let me tell you guys, it's just uh, easy. For the price that it costs, it's just nice to have one so you don't have to worry about the headache. Don't ever have to worry about axles getting stuck in any of your differentials ever again with All Things UTV, Axle Magic 2. All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. Last but not least, one of my favorites, Infinite Off-Road. If you need light bars, light pods, whips, wheel rings, rock lights, the best damn rock lights that money can buy, Infinite Off-Road is where you go. Let me tell you guys, Infinite Off-Road really has an awesome product because they offer a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty that even covers accidental damage, which let me explain to you guys, if you get in a car crash, if you hit a tree, whatever it is that you think you're going to do or can't do or whatever, I don't know what you're trying to do, but if you break it, they're literally just going to send you a new one. It's the, it's one of the greatest greatest ploys in, in the off-road world. It can't get any better than that. Infiniteoffroad.com. And let me tell you guys this right here, right now. They're going to give you 10% off with code word rocks. So there's that. Infiniteoffroad.com. Code word rocks, R-O-C-K-S. And you'll get your 10% off. All right, fellas, ladies, gents, that's everything. And that's all I have Thank you guys for making this happen for us. Welcome to 2021. It's going to be our best year yet. Thanks for sticking around. Make sure you guys share the podcast. Follow us on YouTube and do all the other dumb stuff that people ask you to do. Peace.